1: and gentlemen and welcome to another edition of Auntie Nanny. It's Monday and with me is the bubbly and vivacious Miss Jeannie Kay. How are you today? I am good. Really yeah. really good. See? Bubbly and vivacious just like I said. And the best producer money can't buy which is good because after three and a half years I'm still not paying him. Very how are you tonight Barry? Doing good. <laughs> Doing good. Okay, um, so a funny thing happened to me today. Uh, Windows 10 apparently decided to update last night, and um, boy, that was fun. So now I can highly recommend the Opera browser to people. Because <laughs> nothing that came with Windows was working on my system, which kind of sucks because I have my show notes for this show in the cloud, so but I can see them now. And I can see the chat, so I'm a very happy camper.
0: Well, Google Chrome and all the others will update to match Windows. Um,
2: oh, yeah, eventually.
0: Yeah. Well, no, they'll but, probably, they've fully probably done it already. It's just you need to have time to go and tell them to update. <laughs>
1: well, yeah, maybe. But um, let's see. What else happened this week? I can move it's not really going to fix all their problems, but um, it moved out of U- the US's hands to try to solve some of the problems that come with having an internet that's global. Um, I personally kind of um, have a little bit of a problem with the idea of censorship that could happen because you know, just like I do, whoever owns I can. Um, they own the keys to basically the web addresses of the world. And uh, if they don't like what you say; they can just make it go away. I'm not saying kind, they will.
0: That's I'm saying they could. Kind of true and kind of not. They okay. control the keys to the internet for the Americas, basically.
3: Basically,
0: there's a different company in Europe that does it.
3: Okay.
0: The the yeah, I saw the article about the icon thing, and yeah, it's, it's basically being very pro-American and seeming to forget that a lot of the technology that built the internet came from Europe. Um, okay. Well, so yeah, that um, likes of when you register domains in the UK, it's a completely different company.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: It's not ICANN.
1: Well, right, but I'm saying they the reason for the removal of ICANN from our control was that there were problems with other countries yeah. where their internet was set up. Uh, hi, Talkie. How are you? I I haven't seen you in years in here. It's good to see you. I've missed you. Um, that's, that's a friend of mine from one of my first vaping friends. Hey, um, so yeah, there's that. And there's a whole bunch of other really fun stuff that happened this week. Cue canned laughter. (laughs)
0: <laughs> hey hey I, I was telling you before the show at sure. least at least the UK now has an actual date for the start of leaving the
2: EU You know I <laughs> and, say and so the it, euro is at historic lows Yes Yeah <laughs> Right but that that tends to
1: happen whenever there's something that the bankers think is going to shake something up Money just I know
2: of... but I just think it's absolute and utter bullshit that you know the EU is pretty fucking big Yes England England, not so much. Okay? And if, if England leaving can cause this much havoc with a currency for this entire range of countries, that, that should really illustrate to people that it's a bunch of people sitting around in fucking suits that value your money, not what yeah. it's actually worth. Well, right? I mean, I've, we've, we've
0: talked about it before. Uh, City of London... About eighty percent of the monetary tra- transactions that go on worldwide, mm-hmm. at some point, go through London. That's okay. why it's a major issue, and uh, that yeah. that that's why you know everybody worldwide is pissed off when uh, the UK starts messing around. Um,
1: <laughs> right, but I mean, you know, that is just a sign of political discontent. Yeah. I mean, I think when when Europe joined the EU. They thought they were joining, like, a trade association.
0: Well, that's where it's supposed to be, yeah.
1: Exactly, not something that was going to enact a form of governance. Everybody has to follow the standard. Everybody has to do this. Everybody has to do that. You know, um... Well, you know, it's little
0: things like they keep denying they're going to set up an EU army that they keep denying at the same time they keep talking about it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think people just want more oversight over their governance. If everything comes yeah. from Brussels, how can you go to your local MP and demand action? They really can't do anything for you. Yeah. So why are they there? I think people are just fed up with that, just in general. So, you know, hence the Brexit. But I, from what I understand, a lot of other countries are planning the same thing.
0: Oh, yeah. Um, <sighs> God, I think the list is getting longer all the time.
1: It Germany's is. I mean, been
0: making noises. Austria, France. Sweden, France, yeah. Denmark. Yeah. <laughs>
1: it 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 is not what people thought it was going to be. No. Yeah, so there is that going on. Um, let's see. Genie pick one?
2: Huh? What? Um. Okay, we can go with the, the the cars. Yeah, we'll go with the cars because we'll this one cars. I find funny and really sad and okay. asinine way.
1: Your car is watching you and wants to sell you stuff. Here is a small sampling of all the things your car might try to sell you in the not so distant future. Perfectly timed maintenance, like a puking child, your car will let you know when a checkup is in order. Tesla-like over-the-air software upgrades uh, updates. Targeted driving tips. Easy on the brakes there, Baco. A beautiful handbag you forgot you wanted, and directions to the store where you can buy it. That, but for a whopper. Individualized security tips. There's been an uptip in break ins in your neighborhood in the last couple of weeks, Dave. Would you like to adjust your insurance coverage? An in car social powered VR game, because who doesn't want to beat their friends on the number of speed limits obeyed? But oh, this is just the beginning. According to the management gurus at McKinsey, they issued a report outlining the strange new world of automotive data and how lucrative it will be. That torrent of info streaming out of your ride, as cars are increasingly connected to smartphones, smart infrastructure, and other smart cars, McKinsey said it will be worth as much as 77, wow, well, 750 billion by 2030. A hunk of metal and rubber may not look like a fertile ecosystem teeming with data, but it is. It's packed with sophisticated electronics and even more sophisticated software that knows where you are, what you're seeing, how you're driving, and what your car's up to. All that data can be tapped, packaged, and monetized. This isn't a futuristic vision. The navigation app Waze invites drivers to select favorite brands, Starbucks perhaps, so marketers can push location-based promotions to them. But this data isn't always used to, to sell you something. It can also save your life. General Motors OnStar service summons help when your airbags deploy. Data is neither good nor bad, but it can be used in good or bad ways. But before that can happen, automakers must figure out how best to collect it, organize it, and sell it. Doing that requires doing something new. It requires them to think like a digital company. The challenge here isn't technological. A savvy car maker can glean whether it's raining, are the windshield wipers wiping or snowing, is snow mode engaged, it can know if the oil pressure has plummeted or if a software glitch is keeping you from listening to your favorite podcast and if that glitch is happening across all cars enough to warrant an update or even a recall. If a driver has linked his phone to her, his or her car, the car knows his or her music preferences where he or she usually drives at any given time. Maybe if she searched for cough medicine and Kleenex a moment ago, she has a cold. The challenge is managing this data, bringing it all together in a cohesive manner and figuring out what to do with it. Very often today, admittedly, car manufacturers gather tons of car data that end up in different corners of the organization, says Michelle Brontecero, a McKinsey automotive consultant. Most of the automakers, suppliers, and others that McKinsey's team talked with liked a coherent approach to dealing with this valuable asset. They'll figure it out quickly because there's simply too much money to be made. But it may require automakers to forge partnerships with companies far more adept at dealing with data. They're getting used to this, though automakers are already reaching out to tech companies for help with autonomous vehicles and ride-sharing, convincing drivers to give up the goods. Automakers must also reckon with the same privacy issues facing many other data companies. Of the manufacturers McKinsey surveyed, 83% are pretty worried or very worried about the security of all that data, but only 47% consider themselves well-prepared to keep that data safe. Just 41% of them have a dedicated cybersecurity unit, This is troubling given that while white hat hackers who find vulnerabilities and report them to companies so they might be patched have taken control of Jeeps and Teslas, who knows what the black hats can do? Assuming automakers prove more adept at securing data than say Yahoo or Dropbox or the DNC, they exist in a market where consumers, and especially young ones, are growing more comfortable with data sharing, especially if they get something for it. A 2013 survey by the USC Annenberg School for Communication found 51% of millennials are happy to trade data for something in return compared to 41% of those 35 and older. Surveys conducted by McKinsey find that nearly three quarters of drivers in Germany, the U.S. and China are willing to share their data and pay for service if it makes it easier to park their dang car. More and more people have no problem with seeing their data used to sell them stuff. Mostly functional digital companies like Facebook and Google have primed them for this. It's inevitable that it would happen in your car too. Why don't you pick that one?
2: Because I think here's the thing that I think is is sad and darkly funny in a way. Your car is not going to be able to spam you. I mean, no, if then. if they really want a way to manage all of this data, believe me, somebody is gonna find a way to use it. To sell you shit. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. so that's what I find is funny is people are going to go out and they're going to pay all kinds of money for this fucking invasive bullshit. <laughs> well, it is. Yeah. Because it is. what they're doing is people are not going to be aware of the fact that they're going to be sharing this data with all kinds of other people. We know that it's going to happen. We well, know it.
1: Who read? Who really reads terms and conditions? Doesn't everybody just click? Oh God, agree. Agree, 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 agree. No,
2: I don't do that anymore, and it's your fault.
1: <laughs> I'm sorry.
2: I told you you need to read that shit close. I refuse to update my fucking iPod, because it says I have to hook it into iTunes and update iTunes and my iPod. And I'll Resist. do it. And it's your fault.
1: <laughs> How is it my fault? Just because I'm, like, a privacy train wreck?
2: Yes, <laughs> because you tell me all of this scary... St- I don't... It's my iPod hasn't been plugged into Into a computer Uh How long have I been doing the show with you Jan Because it's been that long I charge it on my docking station (laughs) So it's been like Three and a half years so And when I use it on my show it's plugged directly Into my mixer it's not plugged into (laughs) My fucking computer
1: How do you get new music on it You don't Everything that's on there is just on there
2: Everything that's on there has been on there for a really long time. Um, I think, I think, what did I do? Oh, the last time I put any music on it, mm-hmm. I plugged it into um, Lexi's computer, and Lexus has got some <laughs> hackware. Lexi's got some hackware on hers, and hers wasn't online, so I just took music out of her account and put it on. <laughs> I yes, yeah, it's terrible. Fault, Jen. Well, uh, back
0: to the car thing. The car thing's interesting, because... Yeah, Tesla especially are getting a lot of heat over this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. But they're not the most most technologically advanced cars in the world. Uh, Mm -hmm. The company that collects the most data from their vehicles is Mercedes. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mercedes are way ahead of all the other companies. It's talking in there, oh, it can tell if it rains because you turn the wipers on. No, 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 no. (laughs) Top of the range Mercedes, if it starts raining, it turns the wipers on. (laughs)
2: Um, Cadillacs do that too. Yeah, um, um, my, my but Mercedes Mercedes don't share their story. data. But yeah, and she I'll was yeah she um she's got one of the new th- new Cadillac um SUV thing whatever that is I don't know. <laughs> but let me tell you, um, the first six months she had it, it was on a on a rollback going back to the dealership. I think six times. But besides that, um. She stopped at the car wash one day to talk to Bernie and she had the window rolled down talking to Bernie and she got out. She got out of the car and was standing there beside Bernie talking to Bernie and it started to rain and her Cadillac um, rolled its windows up (laughs) (laughs) and she was locked out of her car (laughs) With with it running in the car wash parking lot. Yeah, it, she was she was very, very unhappy with her really smart car.
0: Well, well Mercedes you know, do that, but they don't lock you out.
1: <laughs> well, you know, does anybody remember the story we had maybe three months ago where we talked about um, people were trying to play podcasts and they had like OnStar enabled in their car? Yeah. And OnStar and something else, OnStar and Apple, told them because they could sense a child in the car they didn't think it was wise for this guy to be playing like a lewis black lewis black was on um show was he on um that that guy who's an mma fighter he used to be on news radio joe rogan he had him on his podcast and they wouldn't let him play it because he had a child in the car yeah so there's the danger of that happening I think, if it's already happened, the danger is still out there. It's still I'll exist. say the,
0: the hope is companies go the way Mercedes have. Um, where Mercedes are, God knows what they're doing with it all, but they're collecting massive quantities of data from nearly every single one of their cars on the road. Because mm-hmm. all their cars have microchips in. All of them. <laughs> um, and they all, you know, every time you go in for a service, it all gets downloaded. And sent to head office oh, kind hell, of thing. My,
2: my truck sends information to Ford.
0: Yeah. Oh, well, they all do I it mean, nowadays. Yeah. For
2: permission. Um, but because it's a lease, I have mm-hmm. to let it do it. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it's it's just absolute craziness.
3: Well, well, I mean,
2: people don't see the. I, I'm, I'm all tinfoil hat. Yeah.
0: I don't think I see, Thus, far Mercedes, Audi, and most of the German companies, because of the privacy laws we've got in Europe. They collect loads of data, but they're only really using it for vehicle development as yet. Well, so, I mean... Yeah.
1: But don't forget, we also have the DRM problem. Yeah. that's That's the worst part. Look at all the John Deere tractors. Guys can't fix themselves now because DRM is enacted.
0: Oh, well, U- European cars have been like company. that for the last 25, yeah. 30 years. Basically, right, you they- just can't get them <laughs> fixed unless you go to somebody with the right equipment.
2: Yeah, but you spend dollars or $60,000 or $70,000. And, mm-hmm. I mean, when you're talking about a John Deere tractor, it's way more than that.
1: Oh yeah. But, I
2: mean, you know, you're talking about tens and sometimes hundreds of thousands of dollars on, on vehicles or machinery, and you don't fucking own it.
1: Yeah. I mean, this is a lot of the problems with all this stuff being data-centric now. You know, you lease your car that you bought. Really? When you pay off your mortgage, did you just lease your home or did you buy your home?
0: Yeah, if if you buy an Apple product, it still belongs to Apple, Apple. not you.
2: Yeah, and (laughs) you can buy a house, Jim, but you never own a house. I mean, unless you live in one of the few... Are there any places that really don't have any property taxes? Not really. I mean, no, I so do you, understand. You never you're own your state. house. Yeah, you never own your house because don't pay your taxes and see what happens. The fucking state <laughs> will come and dig your shit.
1: Oh, and if you live in a place that has one of those HOAs and you're like a minute late with your dues, oh, forget about it. Forget about it. They will sell your home. They do stuff like that. They do it here. I don't know if they do it anywhere else, but they definitely do it here.
0: Yeah, unfortunately, Apple led the way with the whole, you don't own what you buy thing. But now everybody's doing it.
1: And <laughs> now it's the thing that everybody at cool is doing. It's
0: in doing. there. It's in the terms and conditions, as John and Jeannie were talking about earlier. Well, it makes I it mean, quite it's... specific. All these people that, had, <laughs> that um, took their iPhones to get repaired and then get told, no, you're not getting it back because you've done something we don't like to it.
1: Yep. That's yours. You can keep it. You can keep it forever. Yeah, we don't want
0: it. Yeah, if you want it um, fixed, you know, you have to pay hundreds of you know, more than the phone's worth. Yeah.
1: <sighs> Might as well just get a new phone at that yeah. point. But, you know, it's weird that it's an ownership thing, but it's a temporary ownership thing yes. if the company holds rights to it. It's very bizarre.
0: So, um, there's It was quite a fuss, but it was a couple of years ago they discovered Sony and a couple of the Japanese companies had started putting that in their ter- terms and conditions as well. Um, I think Sony backtracked on it because they <laughs> cry <outcry> in Japan.
1: <laughs>
0: Japanese people, yeah, you don't want to annoy them. Their home market. There's
1: a, Well, yeah, and there's a lot of them.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Um,
1: so, yeah, we were talking earlier about the story about... I guess I'll go down to the Duarte story. Um, and I'll, I'll go to the Duarte story for a minute and then I'll read you something about vaping that's happening in... That wonderful, wonderful country with that sweet leader who's such a good man that he's just forgiving, and
2: loving.
1: And just why for why do you preface
2: this story with so many lies?
1: Yeah, well, I'm. it's so bad. I'm just trying to lighten the mood. Philippines Duarte likens himself to Hitler, wants to kill millions of drug users. Philippines President Rodrigo Duarte appeared to liken himself to Nazi leader Adolf Hitler on Friday and said he would be happy to exterminate 3 million drug users and peddlers in the country. Although the administration of U.S. President Barack Obama played down the remark, Duarte's comments triggered shock and anger among Jewish groups in the United States, which could create pressure in the U.S. government to take a tougher line with the Philippines' leader. U.S. Defense Secretary Ash Carter told a news conference following a meeting uh, following a meeting Southeast Asian defense chiefs in Hawaii, that he personally found Duarte's comments, quote, deeply troubling, though the matter wasn't discussed at the meeting. State Department spokesman Mark Toner had earlier described Duarte's remarks made in a State Department rambling speech in Davao City as a significant departure from Americans' partnership with the Philippines, and we find them troubling. Duarte told reporters he had been portrayed to be a cousin of Hitler by critics. Noting that Hitler had murdered millions of Jews, Duarte said, There are three million drug addicts in the Philippines. I'd be happy to slaughter them. If Germany had Hitler, the Philippines would have, he said, pausing and pointing to himself. You know, my victims, I would like them to be crim- all criminals, to finish the problem of my country and save the next generation from perdition. UN Special Advisor on the Prevention of Genocide, Adam ting expressed alarm and urged the Philippines leader to exercise restraint in his use of language, a UN statement said. Deng also called on Duarte to support an investigation into the reported rising killings resulting from his anti-drug campaign, the statement said. In August, Duarte threatened to withdraw Philippines from the United Nations after it called for an end to killings. In Washington, a State Department spokeswoman Anna Richley Allen had repeated concerns about reports of extrajudiciary killings, but offered no response to Duarte's comment referring to Hitler. A White House official on Friday stuck to a strategy of stressing Washington's longstanding ties with Manila, saying, We continue to focus on our broad relationship with the Philippines, and we'll work with, work together in the many areas of mutual interest. relations between the U.S. and Philippines evolve." will depend more on what Duarte does than on what he says, administrative officials have said. U.S. officials said they would use the defense chief's meeting in Hawaii to clarify comments by Duarte that throw into doubts his commitment to military ties with the United States, including joint exercises and patrols. While expressing his own unease with Duarte's comments, Carter described Washington's partnership with Manila as an alliance of independent and strong nations and like all alliances, it depends on the continuation and a sense of shared interests. So far in U.S.-Philippine history, we've had that. We look forward to continuing that, but that's something that we continue to discuss with the Philippines government, he said. Tone deafness. Since Duarte took office on June 30, more than 31,000 people have been killed, mostly alleged drug users and dealers in police operations and in vigilante killings. Duarte, who was elected in May on the back of a vow to end drugs and corruption in the country of 100 million people, has insulted Obama in a number of remarks. He has undermined the relationship between Manila and Washington. On Friday, reacting to critical comments on the war on drugs by U.S. Senators Patrick Leahy and Benjamin Cardin, Duarte said, do not pretend to be the moral conscience of the world. Do not be policemen because you do not have the eligibility to do that in my country. Jewish groups quickly condemned Duarte's Hitler comments. Rabbi Abraham Cooper, head of the Simon Wiesenthal Center for Digital Terrorism and Hate Project, called them outrageous. Duarte owes the victims of the Holocaust an apology for his disgusting rhetoric, Cooper said. The anti defamation League, an international Jewish group based in the United States, said Duarte's comments were shocking for their tone deafness. The comparison of drug users and dealers to Holocaust victims is inappropriate and deeply offensive, said Todd Gurdick the group's director of communications. It's baffling why any leader would want to model himself after such a monster. Duarte has said there will be no annual war games between the Philippines and the United States until the end of his six-year term, and his hostility may make Washington's strategy of rebalancing its military focus towards Asia in the face of an increasingly assertive China more difficult to achieve. Murray Hebert, a Southeast Asia expert at the Center for Strategic and International Studies, think tank in Washington, said Obama was, quote, taking the long view in dealing with Duarte. Obama leaves office in January. Malcolm Cook, a senior fellow at Singapore's ISEAS, Yosef Ishak Institute, said the U.S.-Philippines alliance was not necessarily at risk, but Washington could seek to focus on ties elsewhere in the region. We are all, in some sense, becoming, by necessity, desensitized to Duarte's language, he said, Uh, diplomatically the u.s would say they'll continue to work with him and the alliance is strong but it's whether they'll continue to strengthen that alliance or not this guy makes me nuts
2: how does does this this happen
1: happen? how does someone like this get elected Uh,
3: same reason
2: intimidation um Bullshit, outright lies. Uh, there, there are a lot of ways, Jan.
0: Poor economy, yeah, you know, lots of poor people. Huge, huge separation between rich and poor. Sound familiar? <laughs> if, if
1: so, same ask- as all the
0: countries are going through. Yeah.
1: If you're asking me why there's an uptick in the rise of assholes, like loud, visible assholes in politics. I would say people are disgusted with the choices they've had. Yeah. Um,
0: But the the US has got a big problem with the Philippines. You've invested so much time and effort in the Philippines. Um, Yeah. Some of the largest military bases in the world are the US bases in the Philippines. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And really it'd be a bit annoying to have to try and find an alternative location. Um,
1: <laughs> oh, I have I have plenty of faith in in my government to handle stuff quietly, um, mm-hmm. you know, the way they do. <laughs> um, and I doubt at some point he's going to be this much of a vocal problem.
0: Oh no, no, he'll but... eventually go away. That's what they're hoping, because uh, oh,
1: they oh, they, okay. they need
0: to keep their they need to stay in the Philippines, because otherwise the Chinese will move in. Mm-hmm. That's where it basically comes down to.
1: Yeah. So, yeah. He's, um, he is just, he is something else.
0: He is a psych, well, a sociopath at the very least. Probably psychopath. Definitely, yeah. definitely unhinged. Um,
1: yeah. Um, so I have no idea if they're going to do this, but, uh, apparently the wonderful, wonderful people in Duarte's country want them to um, ban e-cigarettes. So um, I imagine those poor people will be having a fun time there because he's so loving and kind and forgiving and, you know.
0: Well,
1: their assholes
0: <laughs> were trying to get it bombed before he got voted in, let alone now yeah. that he's in.
1: Oh, but I'm saying now that he's in, yeah, you can't tell me they're not gonna have you know they're gonna have a really bad time. we
0: will probably get bound because he's a moral crusader, or nutcase, as I said earlier. Um.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's like electing Stanton Glance to run your country. It's like think of the good results you'd get with that.
2: Oh, you had to bring him up. Did you watch the first part of the two-part video series that Regulator oh. Watch did with that fucking asshole? No, I've actually or the been. the stuck
0: record interview, as it could be called.
1: No, I actually haven't looked at it. Like I've said, I've been um, I've been reading the the book about double governance. But go ahead, tell me about it.
2: Oh, Jan, you know, just good for them. Oh, he's such a fucking ass. But he did say some rather interesting things. Um, He, of course, is blowing completely out of proportion uh, dual-use. Completely out of proportion. But he he did say that, you know, in his opinion, that um, e-cigarettes were 50% safer than smoking. um, Which is huge coming out of that asshole. Um, (laughs) But, you know, he... He made a statement that all of the research coming out of England is uh-huh. rhetoric.
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: that That's what he said. Um, he called the Royal College of Physicians a bunch of rhetorics. Um, I was almost struck dumb by that statement.
1: Well, I mean... The Royal College of Physicians were the first that called for, you know, smoking to be, if I'm correct on this, oh, let me let know me, very, very, very not. not you'll, you'll correct, correct me. me. That,
2: that smoking was terrible and and cigarette smoke caused a lot of cancer? Yeah, I mean, and, and yeah, these two, people two that years he is ahead. saying are a bunch yeah. of rhetorics now are the only reason that fucking windbag even has a job.
3: Wow. Yeah, and, and as
0: people have been pointing out, the The non-medically qualified expert is saying the medically qualified (laughs) experts are relying on rhetoric. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I I do think it's funny that an ex-aircraft mechanic just, you know, doesn't... Oh, now come on. He he did do
0: that six-month transitional course to become a cardiovascular expert. You know, (laughs) you
1: know what the sad thing is? The very first paper he wrote, it's in the journal circulation. And... It is one of the best papers you'll ever read for how to spot bullshit in a study. And you can take those methods and apply it to anything he's got his name on, and you will always find something that comes up smelling.
3: Well,
0: yeah, I mean, the, the automatic for anyone these days, if, if it comes from UCSF, tobacco control, you know, whatever the department's called, you right. know it's bullshit.
3: Oh, yeah. As
0: soon as you see that that in the... In, Anywhere in a in a journal or a study or a newspaper report, you can immediately go bullshit (laughs) because that's his department.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. He is something else, and can't wait
0: for part two though. Uh, Can't wait to see what. I wonder if in part two he's going to be getting asked a lot more uh, interesting questions. I can't because he wasn't really pushed in part one.
1: (laughs) I can't believe anybody would sit down. Anybody got him to sit down?
2: Um, just, you, you know, and I can't. I couldn't believe that either. And when Brett Zafford was on my show a couple weeks ago, I yeah. I asked and I thanked him for it. I don't know how he could sit down with that man and actually deal with him long enough to come up with a two part video series on it. Um. And you know, I'm I'm thankful that somebody could because I couldn't. I I would have had to resort to cussing about probably 1.2 seconds in.
0: Oh, and I have to say in that interview, so right? Somebody had charged Stanton Glance up. He was speaking normally. You know, he usually has this really slow drawl and slurs his words. He wasn't doing that mm-hmm. in this interview. Must add his batteries fully topped up before he started. <laughs>
1: uh, just—I am absolutely shocked that anybody got him to sit down. But I do remember when his group, um, there's a group that's in oh god, Holland that beat back their smoking bans. And it was glance and, uh, Chapman and a bunch of other tobacco control. People sat their leader down. Um, and their leader was like absolutely fine talking to them, whatever, just, you know, make a copy for posterity. That's how I know it exists. And that's one of the more interesting interviews you'll ever see if you can find it. Um, but I'm surprised one of our people got Glance to sit down. When I say our people, I
2: mean you know, just people. Oh yeah, because regulator watch is, is yeah. Um, and Brent says that. I mean, they they knowingly. Um, and he says in the beginning of the interview that regulator watch is picked a side, and it's our side. You know, I mean, so this interview, it wasn't like Stanton Glantz didn't know that regulator watch was pro vaping because he did. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm really rather shocked that he agreed to do the interviews.
1: Yeah. I haven't seen it yet. I just saving it all for one horrible viewing, I guess. Um, did anybody see, I guess somebody dropped the link a bunch of places. The video that came out of. One of the other countries that did the vaping movie. It's on YouTube now.
0: Oh, the French guy's film. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I saw that. That was pretty interesting. Beyond the
0: Clouds, isn't it, or something?
1: Yeah. Yes. Yeah. A lot of people were bitching because... Subtitles.
2: Why subtitles.
0: Because he's up. French.
2: <laughs> <laughs> because it's French, you bunch of bitch and whiny babies. <laughs> but that was pretty interesting, too.
0: Yes. It was, good, it was a good film, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, how is Aaron doing with A Billion Lives? Does anybody know?
0: Uh, they're down to eight locations in the UK at the minute that are. Okay. They have to sell a certain, um, a certain amount of tickets before the showings okay. will go ahead. But they're, they're okay. down to the. They're down, they've got eight locations. So okay. now we just need to persuade enough people to go and. S- to reserve tickets to go and see it. So that's what's happening in the UK. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I really
2: want to see it. I really wish that, like... um, Oh, what's the... There's a vaping convention going to be in Chattanooga next month. This month. Yeah, it's VCC. I really wish that the organizers of these big meets um, would contact a theater in that area when they're going to be having their convention and hook something up. I don't see it happening, but I really wish that these big meat organizers would do that.
1: Remind me to talk to you later.
2: <laughs>
1: I mean, not on the air.
0: Well, no. I mean, you don't even need yep. to contact theaters these days. Uh, there are companies that specialize in renting venues the digital projector equipment. Yeah. So as long as you've got a big hall with seats... They didn't, they not basically mm-hmm. put a film anywhere. Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, the reason I saw it, and I, I know people think I'm crazy. That's okay. The, the only reason I got to see Vaxxed is because of a thing like that. They had to sell so many tickets.
0: Yeah. Well, something similar is going on in the US at the minute, I think, with uh, trying to get places to show it. People yeah. have to raise a certain amount of money before the venue yeah. will show.
1: Yeah, because... Nobody wants to put money into something that's going to lose money for them. I understand that. That Oh,
2: and my word of caution to anybody that is going to go see A Billion Lives in a theater, Mm -hmm. don't sit in a theater and vape like an asshole.
1: (laughs) I'm picking the next story. Aren't you excited? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, Here's a good one. He fought in World War II, he died in 2014, and he just registered to vote in Virginia. Richmond. The FBI and local police are investigating how 19 dead Virginians were recently re-registered to vote in this critical swing state. One case came to light after relatives of a deceased man received a note congratulating him for registering. Rockingham County Commonwealth's attorney, Marsha Garst, said Thursday... As family members were very distraught, uh, said Garst, who confirmed the existence of the FBI and police investigation, but said she could provide few details because the case is ongoing. All 19 were initially registered as voters in the Shenandoah Valley of Harrisonburg, although a, Kirk, a clerk double-checking the entries later raised questions about one. She recognized the name of Richard Allen Claybrook, Sr., who died in 2014 at age 87 because his son is a well-known local judge. She happened to recall that the judge's father had died. He was a retired Fairfax County elementary school principal and had fought in World War II, said his son, retired Harrisonburg General District Court Judge Richard Allen Claybrook Jr. What a tongue twister of a name. So our family is very disgusted that they would pick this name because he was such a law-abiding citizen devoted to public service. All of the forms had been submitted by a private group that was working to register voters on the campus of James Madison University, according to the Harrisonburg Registrar's Office. The group was not identified. No charges have been filed. Republicans in the State House of Delegates, who in recent years have supported tighter voter ID laws, held a conference call with reporters to call attention to this investigation. Oftentimes, we hear our Democratic colleagues suggest that voter fraud doesn't exist in Virginia or that it's a myth. House Speaker William J. Howell, a uh, representative of Stafford, said, this is proof that voter fraud not only exists but is ongoing and is a threat to the integrity of our elections. House Minority Leader David J. Toscano, a Democrat from Charlottesville, said the case was not proof of voter fraud because no one had actually managed to cast a vote in the names of the dead. First of all, there was no voter fraud. They caught him, Toscano said. Nobody cast a vote. There's still no evidence of that going on in the state. But there is evidence every time you turn around that the Republicans are trying to make it more difficult for elections, for citizens to vote in elections. You know, if you're going to vote, you know, you need to pay your taxes just like the fucking rest of us. Dead or alive, you know, there you go. I'm trying to make it choke because this shit's infuriating me. I don't care if your actual chance to vote has one-tenth of a chance of of changing anything or one-billionth of a chance, one-millionth of a chance. It doesn't matter. You know, diluting the pool is just disgusting. I find that highly offensive. It bothers me. Also,
0: also, Mr. Toscano, I, I am not a legal expert. I am not in your country. But I believe he is mistaken when he says there is no proof of voter fraud. If somebody has illegally tried to use somebody else's identity to register to vote, that's voter fraud in nearly every country I know of.
1: (laughs) You know, I thought that was how it worked too, but apparently I'm wrong. Jeannie, anything? I guess that's a no. (laughs) I guess I can't say I blame her. Um, am I still on? Can you guys still hear me?
2: Yeah, you're still here.
1: Yeah. I was oh, just no, shutting
3: right. up. <laughs> you,
2: go ahead. Just let it out. Get it out. You'll feel better. No, no. <laughs> the, discussing <laughs> anything about <laughs> voters and politics um, is is not my, no, no, you, no, you, no. I've pissed you, off you, enough you, people
1: <laughs> You You, like, realize, like, I can talk about that. I have no dog in the game at all this year none so i can talk about all this stuff as a disinterested person but it it amazes me how upset people get over the presidential election and it's like they forget you've had these assholes parked on capitol hill for a hundred fucking years
2: making all these corrupt laws well and i think the federal government should should get their fucking noses out of a lot of areas that that they are in um the federal government is making a lot of of laws um, and shoving them down on all the states, and I don't think that that approach is is correct um, in a lot of cases. Yeah, it's I it- it's just the the choices that we have fucking suck. I'm just like yeah. um, they do. <laughs> they they absolutely suck. Um, I got in a in a in a little bit of a dust up the other night. And I said, look, it's and it's it's like that whole fucking nonsense that you hear a vote for the Libertarian Party is a vote for Trump. And that's what the, the Hillary supporters are saying. You know, if you, if you don't if you do this, then you're voting for Trump. Well, if you're listening to Trump supporters, they tell you, well, if you're voting for the Libertarian candidate, then, then you're voting for Hillary. I'm like that is that is just so much political vomit and it has been repeated over and over and over and over again to the point that people think it's fucking true and it well, this this entire election cycle is the most disgusting election cycle i have ever seen okay i
1: i, I agree I, including the dead people me- voting yeah no and and i agree i've never seen people sniping like this before and it's ridiculous Whoever you stick in that big Oval Office really doesn't have a lot of power. I mean, they have some power over certain directions the country's going to take, right? they have some power over who's going to get elected to the Supreme Court. The people who really hold the power and hold the purse in this country are in Congress. Those are the people that you, those are the elections you really should be paying the fuck attention to. Try and get those assholes out. Jesus. You know? I was going to say blood. that,
0: like, into the dead people story, you know, they should do tests in Congress to see how many of them are actually alive. Because some of them have I been there know. a very long time.
3: Yeah. Just get I
0: mean, voted back in automatically kind of thing. It's like, are they sure they're still alive?
3: Because
1: well, you don't see some
0: of them very often.
1: Okay. No, it's like a name recognition thing. Yeah. Is what it is. Um, more than anything. Nobody looks at congressmen's records... That shit is boring. But you should be because these are the assholes that voted against you and said, yes, let's bail out the banks. Let's, let's bail out the auto companies. Let's bail out this. Let's bail out that. Um, It will write it into this bill that if Obamacare fails, we're going to bail out the insurance companies and it'll all be on our dime again. And it's devaluing the amount of money in your pocket. So, If you want some actual control over what happens in your country, you should really look at who you're going to elect as your Congress critters, your congressional seats, your Senate seats. Um, Where you tend to have the most control over anything is going to be on a local level. You're never going to be able to change national politics. You just aren't. That shit just needs to fall away and die on its own, and and it will. we're getting to the point where people could vote with their smartphones, almost at the point where you could cut out the house of representatives in Congress and go to a system like direct democracy. Um, we're very close to that state and these people are becoming obsolete more and more on a daily basis, but you can get the worst of the damaging ones out if you pay attention and you vote using your brain and your heart don't let anybody tell you how to vote don't ever let anybody tell you how to vote or who to vote for or why that's all personal to you
2: but,
3: and, but make sure
2: yeah that whole gossip i got into mm-hmm. was because somebody asked a question did a vote for this person mean it was a vote for that can the whole mm-hmm. state just do this? And what does that do? And I was just trying to explain the simple thing. And they said, well, you know, and it started out with the whole, well, but the the delegates have to vote. The Electoral College has to go. No, was, they don't. With the majority vote. And I went, oh, no, it doesn't.
1: No, they don't. They've no, they don't. And
2: there has been four times throughout yep, history yep. that a the president has, has lost the popular mm-hmm. vote. And still become president of this country. So, Mm -hmm. no, they don't have to do that. And I was trying to help this one understand. And these two guys, one was a Democrat supporter, the other was a Republican supporter. And this fucking thread is still going with these two guys calling each other fucking morons and shit. I'm like, this is not how you get the uninformed informed and get them to vote. This is why and these two people going at each other for days now, for days, is why a lot of people don't fucking bother. I
1: think people are sick of the ugliness and they feel like if why should I vote if no one represents me? Well that that big election at the top, you have way less control over that than you think. You just do the sheer numbers are mind boggling. Um, actually on my website, the, you know, com under the resources tab, there's a whole host of places to get help or to look up statistics about election fraud and elections and things like the faithless delegates, things like that. So you can become more informed about the process. Um, And the reason I did that is because it's such a divisive issue and it it doesn't need to be. It can just be a fact-based thing. Your vote has 0000000.1% of a chance of affecting the outcome of an election. More or less if you live in a swing state. And in some states, your vote does not count at all. These are statistics, they're numbers, they mean nothing. But You should look at those before you start yelling at your friend for being a fucking, I don't know, Johnson supporter or a Jill Stein supporter or, you know, any, you know, supporting any of these other candidates, the the Constitution Party or, um, you know, the other fucking two, which are almost one single party at this point. Before you yell at them for that, really look at the numbers and, and understand you might be throwing away friendships, relationships you've had all your life over this, it's fucking ridiculous. There's no need of it. We're goddamn adults. Be well, reasonable about i I, I
0: have something quite simple to say. All the people okay. who say voting for a third party or independent candidate doesn't achieve anything, yeah, ask the UK and specifically Scottish Labour Party how that goes. Because... How many Scottish MPs are there, I think it's 61, mm-hmm. 59 of them are SNP. 20 years ago, most of them were Labour. Well,
1: I mean, <laughs> the two main the parties
0: thing. screwed up in Scotland, and yeah, yeah. the SNP no. swept the board at the last election.
1: You know, here's the thing. Everyone who says, I can't vote third party because A, I live in a swing state, and it won't matter, or B, my vote doesn't count. This is, I can tell you something. I, I would withdraw all consent for my government to treat me the way it does and not vote as a protest thing. I would absolutely, do that. I have no problem doing that. I don't consent to 99% of what the government does in my name. I would have no problem doing that. But there are local issues that are really important that I have some ability to change with the way I vote. And that includes getting those crooked assholes out of Congress. That's kind of important enough for me to put that aside just a little bit that and allowing cancer patients to have access to medical marijuana that's like a big thing um that's the only reason i'm going to vote this year because no one represents me and i don't consent to what they do but i'm still going to vote to try to make things better on a local level does that make sense so, whoever gets the top box checked doesn't really matter as much as those other questions, those other referendums, and your Congress people. That matters far more, and that will have a longer lasting effect because it will affect you directly where you live than this national stuff. I'm sorry. Anybody have anything to say before I go off again?
0: Well, another good one on. Yeah, voting or not voting. The UK's Brexit
3: mm-hmm.
0: predominantly was voted for by older people.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And then straight afterwards, you had all the young adult age group you know, mm-hmm. complaining that all the old people had sold out their future. And of course, then all the old people are going, well, you should have voted then.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Which is quite simple. Only 21% of under 25s voted or something in the UK on the Brexit. <laughs> so, to then for them to say, oh, you sold out our future. Well, you didn't vote. Tough shit. <laughs> <laughs> if it's such a big issue for you, you should have got your ass to a vote polling station and voted. Or got a postal Again. vote, but, or whatever. Yeah, But which t- is why if you give up your right to vote, you can't complain about the result afterwards.
1: Well, th- this is the way it is now, right? Um, there's not going to be anything we can reasonably do to change things in a short amount of time. But we can make the shitstorm that we're walking into a little better for ourselves and a little better for the people around us if we really look at those local issues. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And nobody does that. Everybody's so concerned with the reality TV show that our elections have become and the fucking pageantry and the hoopla in the spectacle. And the spectacle has nothing to do with the governance you're going to get out of it afterward. So do you, you think you upset people about voting, Jeannie? Do you <laughs> think, you think, think I, did? I did?
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I piss people off all the time anymore. And I'm just really starting to not give a fuck if I piss them off. Because at least if I piss them off, they listen to what I said. And it made them think. Um, and making people think is kind of important um, because we so often anymore give up, willingly and knowingly give up our thought process. But, you know, whatever.
1: It's easier to come along to get yeah, along.
2: whatever. Bitch about Puerto Rico now, though. Uh, oh, okay. Puerto Rico. That's kind of It's
1: kind of an interesting thing because if I were going to pick somebody to manage my budget, it wouldn't be these fucks. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just saying, you know, um, Puerto Rico does have a solvency problem. They've had a money problem for a very long time. They are overfunded. They're overfunded. They're underfunded on liability assets that have more to do directly with their pension funds than anything else. And that's kind of how things are. Okay. Historic takeover of Puerto Rico's finances agencies begins. Puerto Rico. A federal control board on Friday took over Puerto Rico's finances and several government agencies for the first time in the US territory's history in a bid to haul the island out of an acute economic crisis. The seven-member because
2: board. because our deficit doesn't show that we're we're just so awesome we're, we're, we're
1: awesome that's what I'm saying I you know if, if I had to launch myself out of yeah it wouldn't be these people doing it for me. Uh, the seven-member board met in New York and was briefly interrupted by protesters who yelled this is slavery and stop pillaging Puerto Rico uh, the meeting was live streamed over the internet following pledges that the board would operate with transparency. It ordered Governor Aliando garcia Padilla to produce a fiscal plan in two weeks and submit weekly and monthly revenue reports that detail how the government is adhering to its budget. Members also voted on which Puerto Rico government agencies would come under the board's oversight. They include the island's central government, its largest public university, its heavily indebted utility companies, a government development bank that is running out of cash and a public pension system underfunded by more than $40 billion, with a capital B. Uh, We're working as quickly as possible, said Jose Carangil, uh, who was elected board president to reporters after the meeting. The board was approved by Congress in June and is charged in part with helping restructure a portion of the nearly $70 billion public debt that Garcia has said is unpayable. Carrion is one of four Republicans on the board, along with three Democrats. Also on the board is a representative of Puerto Rico's governor, who is barred from voting. During a televised address on Thursday, Garcia urged the board to make public pension systems one of its priorities. He also requested that the board consider intervening in a trial in which a federal judge is expected soon to rule on whether Puerto Rico will have to pay its debts even though the U.S. legislation signed in June also protects the island from lawsuits through February 2017. In this process, we will try to make the board understand that for the recovery to be real, it must deal with the fiscal aspects while protecting the economic ones, said Garcia Friday. Puerto Rico has been mired in a decades-long economic slump brought about largely by decades of heavy borrowing. The island has defaulted on several multi-million dollar bond payments since last year and faces a growing number of lawsuits from creditors trying to recover a portion of their investments. Several government agencies are now operating under a state of emergency that permits withdrawals only for essential public services. Puerto Rico economist Gustavo Díaz said the board will likely soon seek help from the capital markets to generate revenue. If it doesn't, then it will have to impose severe austerity measures, he said. There is no other way to finance the deficit. The government will likely not be able to pay salaries
2: very soon. We're in a downward spiral. Hey, give them some tobacco. Give them some tobacco bonds. That'll fix it. Let them be (laughs) part of the master settlement agreement. Because that'll make them financially stable. Well, I mean, but that's been
1: part of their problem. Their tobacco bonds tanked. Their tobacco bonds tanked. Our tobacco bonds tanked. Honestly, Vaping I know. I was really... being really
2: sorry. I was being really sarcastic I because you know, I know, you know. I mean, punishing tobacco has just led to much bigger problems. I mean, they have built such a fucking monopoly on top of that that it's a it's it's a giant Ponzi scheme, mm-hmm. and that's why vaping is being attacked the way it is, is because mm-hmm. it's threatening to topple their fucking Ponzi scheme, and they they're going to get caught.
1: Well. I was gonna say vaping has done more to shut down the government by removing tax taxable income that they would get on, you know, sin taxable income than almost anything else except for the black market. The black market's done more to bring down these states and cities that enact these insane taxes. But the fact that the tobacco bonds are tanking really shouldn't shock anybody but it shocks the fuck out of these governments i mean it's almost like they get into a meeting and they have these pie in the sky numbers that they think they're going to meet but they're not going to i don't know i just i don't understand the logic behind it i really gotta say i'm surprised that you know they're speaking about austerity. That's not something that's generally talked about openly. When a territory has to sort of refinance, I think their next step would be what IMF loans at this point. And that would be terrible.
0: They're heading they're the same way as Greece, basically.
1: Yeah. yeah um IMF. Yeah. IMF loans are like, the if you can avoid them, if your country can avoid them, Do so at all costs because anything you have that's of any value will be taken away from you for the rest of your life, basically, by this. People are starving the fucking streets. If they have to
0: intercede uh, too far, who do you think the US will sell Puerto Rico to? (laughs) So that's basically almost what it's coming down to. I know. Because, yeah, technically it's your territory, kind of. (laughs) <laughs> and it's got it's got itself this deep in the shit. Uh mm-hmm. yeah. and the only way to recoup the money might be to shift the debt to somebody else.
1: Well, I mean, and here's the thing about money. Um when when you form a union like was done in the UK with the EU and its other member states to try and form like a United States, you know what I mean, of yeah. Europe. I kind of wish they'd gotten the first step down. Um, and I'm not an economist, but I love money. And I can tell you this, if you don't consolidate, sell down and make one currency, the universal thing, before you go about setting a nation state up, the whole thing is doomed to fall. That—that That is the only thing I know. Um, and, you know, as bad as shit is and we keep talking about things are collapsing, things are falling apart you know, they've still got everything held together with bailing wire and chewing gum here. Um, and that's because we have basically one currency until, you know, Bitcoin becomes much larger than it already is. And then I don't know what happens after that. I do know Bank of America actually just as an aside is testing blockchain technology and they want to roll out like a digital virtual currency of their own. So that'll be terrible. (laughs) Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that's happening. And I just think it's funny nobody thinks about that. Like, if you're going to do something like that, you've got to take care of the money first.
0: Well, the EU, when when they started Mm -hmm. the project, yeah, they did think of that. (laughs) Unfortunately, they came up with all these rules and regulations about who could join and... You know, things that a country had to do before they could join and take on the Euro. And then something like Greece came along and there's <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. You you don't need to worry about that rule and we'll just ignore that rule there and yeah, yeah, we'll fudge those numbers. And now however many years down the line what happened to Greece? Yeah. Yeah,
1: well it's but it's not just They fudged the, the numbers
0: Greece. and yeah. Look They've what fucked happened to thing.
1: Look what happened to Greece, but also look what happened to Germany. Yeah, like, like, look how much of Germany's money that has pulled out of their economy, trying to fucking bail out a sinking ship. Well,
0: that's that's why the Germans were so vocal about wanting us to wanting the UK to stay in the EU, because yep. basically most of the financing for the EU is coming mm-hmm. from Germany primarily. Yep. And the second line was the UK. Now the UK is leaving. Yeah,
3: uh, yeah.
0: France has been in, basically been in debt for decades. Italy. <laughs> f- <laughs> well, yeah, wow. it's Italy. Um, uh-huh. Spain, like Greece, borrowed vast sums of money. Can't pay it all back. Greece mm-hmm. is Greece. Most most of the countries in the EU, yeah. Are either too small or are in so much debt that once the UK leaves, Germany's got a huge problem on its hands.
1: Yeah, it does. Um,
0: I mean, they're already so- they're already funding something like sixty percent of the EU's money, and now the UK's leaving. It's like, oh yeah, yeah, we can afford another fifty, well, another fifteen percent. You say, oh shit, um, <laughs> something like that. It's it's that big, <laughs>
1: Yeah, it, um... That's why many economists
0: are saying the EU might possibly collapse.
1: Well, I mean, it's it's holding up Colossus. Yeah. You know what I mean? You can only hold Colossus for so long. You, you aren't Atlas. Um, eventually, you know, to coin a phrase from Ayn Rand, Atlas is going to shrug. And the world's going to go into freefall. I mean, I i think we all know that's coming at least everybody in here knows that's coming so be smart take care of your family you know put things aside <laughs> um money's important but make sure you got food to eat store some stuff beans bullets and band-aids basically keep yourself secure because going to hit the fan.
0: That's hey, hey yeah. we, you, you know what's true? The German government has been telling people to stockpile stuff. I know. Mm.
1: Yeah. They've been telling them what to stockpile how, how much food and water have they been saying?
0: Oh, I don't know. I haven't looked at the numbers. It's just the fact they're actually telling people it's well, the largest have... country in Europe and it's going yeah, stockpile stuff, please. <laughs>
2: yeah, uh, they're starting to resemble the Mormon church. Yeah. <laughs> Which, I mean, no, I... What, that came out as me saying like <laughs> something derogatory about the, no, no. the for Germany, and I'm not. Um, but that's what I'm saying. the The Mormon Church has been saying for always. You know, I mean, you have to keep a pantry you You have to keep food storage. Mm-hmm. Um, and the the Mormon canneries are getting more traffic now from non members yeah. than they ever have in oh. in history. Um you know, you know, I mean I I we were deciding where to put the coal stove in the basement today. Mm-hmm, right. And um and we said, Oh, well, you know, there's already a place for the exhaust pipe to go out in this half mm-hmm. but I'd need to move all my food storage because I don't necessarily want all my dehydrated and my food storage and my canning jars in a yeah, heated yeah. room. Yeah. You know, um, I don't want them freezing, but I don't want them in a heated room because right. heat is not good for stored stuff. Uh-huh. But um I I have food storage. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the closest I ever got to a Mormon event was going to pageant. And um remember, it was one of the very few times in history that pageant has been called on account of the weather Um, because I got anywhere near the event and there was a huge lightning storm. <laughs> 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 but... People should store, you know, something, anything. Um, and dehydrated, of course, is the smartest thing to, to store because it's lightweight and take up so much less space. But you have to have access to water for that. Um, but I look at all of that stuff that I have stored. And the first thing that go through my mind isn't that I'm some kind of a crackpot prepper um, <laughs> because I don't think I am. Right. But I do know that my family, come hell or high water, will eat.
1: Yeah. I mean, and that's that's the big thing. You know, um, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I know our power grid is fucked up. I know it's vulnerable to certain things. I know they've said in the last month there have been, what, 14 hacks On our power grid that's not fucking good you know now they're launching one terabyte per second botnets through home security networks through the cameras because people are dumbasses and don't change their passwords so these attacks are coming from places they've never come from before and that makes me feel a whole lot less secure um i like tangible things I like like you knowing my family will eat um, and if that makes me sound crazy so be it I live in the hurricane capital of the world uh, I'm allowed to be a little crazy but um, thinking like that will never be a bad thing if you store food you can always eat it before it goes bad um, and there's other stuff if you're just buying basic stuff from the grocery store white flour items tend to last longer than stuff that's high fiber um stuff that is bleached tends to last longer than stuff that is brown um that's just a handy dandy tip which probably isn't going to be good for anybody's diet but at some point food is food okay um yeah um Washington's governing elites we're all morons, a new study says. It's hard to believe, right? You know, because we're all in this together. Voters are angry at the political establishment, and the political establishment doesn't much care for the voters either. In fact, they think the voters are pretty damn stupid. That's the conclusion of a new survey of America's unelected governing elites by political scientists at the Johns Hopkins University. While media outlets endlessly poll and probe the American people to understand why they feel so disenchanted with their government, Professor Benjamin Ginsburg and senior lecturer Jennifer Beckner instead looked at America's political ruling class for answers. The federal bureaucrats, think tank leaders, and congressional staff members they surveyed Ginsburg said in an interview with Vice News, quote, Have no idea what Americans think and they don't care. They think Americans are stupid and should do what they are told. It seems that the disenchantment is mutual. In their new book, What Washington Gets Wrong, which would be everything. Bye, Jeannie. See you next week. Ginsburg and Backner report that the overwhelming majority of D.C.'s Beltway insiders think the American public is pitifully uninformed on government policy. 72% of those governing officials think the public has little or no knowledge about policies to aid the poor. 71% believe that they have little or no knowledge about science and technology. And across eight different policy areas, never more than 6% of those surveyed thought the public possessed a great deal of knowledge on the topic. With such a low opinion of the American public, perhaps it is not surprising that the vast majority of these political insiders... Believe they should ignore public opinion. At least 78% of those surveyed thought that actions in all eight policy areas should not always or even mostly need popular sentiment. If the public resists, Ginsburg told Vice News, then bureaucrats nudge people into obedience. In fact, nudge has been the PR-friendly word of choice for bureaucratic regulations in the Obama era. Cass Sustein, Obama's administrator of the White House Office of Information and Regulatory Affairs, even wrote, co-wrote a book in 2008 called Nudge, Improving Decisions About Health, Wealth, and Happiness. Um, Christopher Snowden actually reviewed that at one point. That lays out how the government can use behavioral psychology to more effectively achieve policy goals. They dubbed it libertarian paternalism. While many voters have long suspected this condensation, evidence of it occasionally risen to the internet's ever-topy surface. In 2014, MIT professor and Obamacare architect Jonathan Gruber was caught on tape explaining that the stupidity of the American voter, or whatever, was really, really critical for Obamacare to pass. Most lawmakers and voters, he suggested, did not really understand the law and that lack of transparency is a huge political advantage. The divide between the federal government and the public seems likely to split even wider as the Beltway technocracy has only grown in wealth and in power in recent years. The three wealthiest countries by median counties by median income in the United States are in the D.C. suburbs. In 2015, the average salary for a full-time federal employee was $79,437. Holy shit. And only 5 58726 for an employee in the private industry, and not where I live, according to the government's Bureau of Economic Analysis. Perhaps, as a result, public trust in government is at historic lows. Only 19% of Americans trust the government to always, or almost always, do the right thing, according to a 2015 Pew Research Center study. In light of this new survey, that may not be surprising, since most in government don't think the public knows what the right thing is. The remedy for this disconnect between the Capitol and the people it ostensibly serves is unclear. Whether Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton win this November, the Beltway class will remain largely in place. The election may only be a foreshadowing of more voter anger. Really? Yeah. They think voters are just angry.
0: Yeah. They don't uh,
1: think they're disgusted.
0: But it shows you that the the politicians think... Think they're clever, and no better Trending than the public. Things
1: like camel statues in Iraq.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I'm
1: disgusted, knowing that good programs that help people are getting axed, and that more bureaucracy is being put in at the top. Yeah. Why would we be disgusted about that? Yeah. It's enchanting. The EPA is going to allow fracking waste to be dumped into the waters where I live because they don't think it poses a danger. The EPA allowed children to grow up basically in a fucking Superfund site where they used to manufacture lead paint. They allowed the factory to be blown up. They allowed public housing to be built in the area. For 20 years they said there was no problem. And now these kids are all horribly affected and because Nobody looked at the policy analysis from twenty years ago until recently, until they got sued. They just didn't give a shit. Yeah. And that's the truth of the government. They just don't give a shit. I'm sorry, Very If you want to say something now, would be a good time before I really go off.
0: Well, yeah. It's There, there is a disconnect in most um, countries between or, you know, not. the politicians.
1: Or am I even on the air?
0: Yeah, you. You are. I can hear you. Can you okay. hear me?
1: Okay. I have no idea if anybody can still hear me. Am I still on? You should be. Okay. Anyway. So there's that. And I just did one of the biggest no-no's you can do when you're recording a podcast. I left dead air. Like a dumbass. Sorry about that. Uh, I can't hear you at all very (laughs) well. at all um so should i duck back out and back in yeah i'm gonna um okay i'm gonna duck back out as long as we don't have dead air i'm good with it
0: it should be okay uh as long as they can hear me as well uh they should be able to my meters tell me i'm broadcasting after all In the back. Well, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Hello? Hello? Hello?
1: Okay. I can not hear you at all.
0: Right, I'm going to disc. Can you hear me now? Hello? Oh dear. What's going on here? We have this amazing situation where both of us can speak and the listeners can hear us, but we can't hear each other. <laughs> Don't know what's going on.
1: Okay. Hello? what the hell's going on
3: this is bad
0: don't know what's going on hang on i'm going to Uh, yeah, if you hang on, folks, I'm just going to uh, restart the.
1: Onias oh, yes, can hear us both, but we can't. Okay. That's awesome.
0: <laughs> I'm just restarting the communication software. <laughs> do 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 do. Our ah, technology is great fun. Hello, hello, can you hear me? Obviously not. John can't hear me. Ah, <laughs> oh, dear me. Oh, John's dropped out of Discord. Sorry about this, folks. Oh, she's just popped back up. Oh,
1: yay! Hello!
0: Yeah, I restarted at my end. You obviously just restarted at your end. Yeah. Uh, uh, You see, it's all these storms going on all over the place. Yeah,
1: I know. The internet is not happy. (laughs) No, the internet's... And when the internet's not happy, nobody's happy. Phew, well, Uh, we're back. uh, are yeah,
0: it was it was kind of weird. Yeah, but but the audience could hear us both, but we couldn't hear each other. I mean, yeah.
1: The worst part is, if we had used Skype, this show would have been over probably an hour and a half ago. Because <laughs> Skype is just really bad in storms. Hi, we're back.
0: Well, we're back that. with each other. Yeah, they've yes. they've been able to hear us both the whole time. Yeah.
1: I'm sure that's going to make for comical listening. Uh, later. <laughs> <time>. <laughs> oh.
0: where were we oh yeah disconnect politicians yeah. yeah uh yeah it's a huge problem in most of the world at the minute mm-hmm. um politicians think the public are too stupid to trust with anything
1: hmm. at
0: the same time politicians are too stupid to be trusted mm-hmm. with anything either exactly Because, I mean, politicians are some of the most ignorant people on the planet in a lot of cases.
1: Well, I think in a lot of ways, they're like your typical Hollywood actor. They're completely shielded from normal people. Yeah. And on the off chance that they come into contact with a normal person, I think they go straight in for a good brainwashing and forget everything they've heard from us.
0: I'll say. I mean, the the shock factor. The when the TPD was going through the EU Parliament,
3: uh-huh.
0: the, the the bureaucrats and some of the politicians in the EU were horrified
3: mm-hmm. because
0: it's the first time they'd seen a mass public oh, movement no. trying to affect oh, sh- a policy the way oh, Barry, we did. Where are
1: you? Barry, so, can you hear me? Oh, Barry, can you hear me?
0: Oh, it's gone again. Oh. <sighs> testing, testing. One, two, three. Hey, John. No. Oh, she's dropped out again. Uh, John's doing a full restart. Uh. <laughs> Yeah, I think she's having uh, she's having computer and internet issues. I think.
1: Uh, I'm back. I'm back. You're sorry. back. I had, yeah, I had to restart again. I left you a message in in the voice channel, but I don't think you saw it. So yeah, I'm sorry, but you you were saying that uh, the politicians are too stupid to be trusted with anything. I would 100% agree with that. But there is a, a massive disconnect and. Like I was saying, I think that disconnect just comes from the fact that they're so sheltered. Yeah. Um, They never come into contact with actual human beings. So this is kind of what that looks like.
0: Well, uh, there's a a comment after our recent political shuffling, the last election. And there are now less... Oh, and this is where I've got to explain words... You'll know what I mean. Um, okay. There are now less pub, pub uh, public school educated people in our government in parliament private school. than our yeah in America private school. Um, okay. Yeah, there's now less of those in our parliament than any time in history. So yeah, the the power has sw- for the <laughs> for the last twenty years it's been predominantly the privately educated have been our political class. But at the last election, it swung back the other way again.
3: <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. Yeah. So, consequently, the governments, even the Conservatives, are, our new Prime Minister is treading very carefully. Yeah. Uh,
1: Which, you know what? They, they should be afraid of us. I mean, that, that's the thing. They work for us. They work for you. Right? I mean, you've got... I've seen that website all over the place in the UK mostly with um, photos of members of parliament sleeping or playing Pokemon on their fucking (laughs) phones. Um, But yeah, it's called They Work For You because guess what? They work for you. They are called public servants. Yeah. I don't know about you. I've worked with the public for years, and that means you endure abuse. You get to hear positions you would not want to hear You get to listen to sexist comments, racist comments, horrible, ignorant comments all fucking day long. And you get to stand there with a fucking smile on. At the end of the day, these people are paying your fucking salary. So, you know, serving them to me is probably very different than serving these same people to one of our political elite.
0: Yeah. I mean, far too many politicians of all varieties, of all parties, primarily they are self-serving, not public serving. Mm-mm. All they care about is keeping their job and keeping their brown envelopes running.
1: Exactly. Anything they can get to enrich themselves. And if it's at, you know, if it's at your expense, well, then so be it. Except okay. for Switzerland. Yeah. Switzerland's different. They're very different. The way they treat their politicians is very different. Yeah. Norway, too.
0: Yes, and Iceland, most of Scandinavian countries. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, those people are not living high on the hog. Yeah. I'll tell you that. They, they don't well, really get. Back, a lot back stuff to
0: right. the. linking back to the Puerto Rico thing. You okay. know, it's in deep shit because the people in charge there borrowed shitloads of money and did stupid mm-hmm. things with it. They Part did. of which and... was getting rich themselves. Mm-hmm. As far as I'm concerned, yeah, first thing in, first in the line for Puerto Rico is find out where all the money went and take it back, because I bet <laughs> there's some really nice big houses got paid for somewhere. Oh,
1: probably.
0: Nice big cars, some
3: yachts, oh, you know.
1: Yeah, oh, you know what I was reading last week? I was reading a story, and it was on Bloomberg, right? And it's about this technology company in, in um, I guess, in the mountains in Switzerland, Uh of these vaults and because banks aren't paying people money anymore the the uber rich people are taking their gold and shit there and they're depositing it there yes instead of putting it in a bank account because they've changed all the laws in switzerland but because they're basically supposed to be a data depository the banking rules don't apply to that so i bet you would find a ton of that money that was from puerto rico there if you could just change the laws and get in yeah but you would find yes. a lot of our pillaged money there. Unfortunately,
0: mm-hmm. Switzerland's one of those countries where, yeah, if they've got the money, you ain't going to see it again. Uh-huh. Yeah. I know. How I'm long did saying. it take them to give back some <laughs> of the Nazi gold? A long
3: fucking time. The,
0: apparently, some of the rest went missing. Oh, really? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: yeah. So, um, we cover stuff here that, um, would curl your hair. We do that on a weekly basis. Last night I was made aware of a story that the Bureau of Investigative Journalism did. Um, and I'm going to talk about it here And before anybody accuses me of wearing a tinfoil hat or just being crazy. This is an actual story that these people worked on for years and years and years. Um, And it's long um, and I'll probably have to take and drink about a gallon of water reading this, but I want to stick it in the chat for people so that they can examine it for themselves. This is about government propaganda and the ways in which we cross the borders to use it for our own devices. Pentagon paid for fake Al Qaeda videos, a controversial foreign PR firm known for representing unsavory characters was paid millions by the Pentagon to create fake terrorist videos by Crofton Black and Abigail Fielding Smith of the Bureau of Investigative Journalism. Um, Very keep an eye on Discord because there's thunder right over my head right now. The Pentagon gave a controversial UK PR firm over half a billion dollars to run a top secret propaganda program in Iraq, the Bureau of Investigative Journalism can reveal. Bell Pottinger's output included a short TV segment made in the style of Arabic news networks and fake insurgent videos which could be used to track the people who watched them, according to a former employee. The agency staff worked alongside high-ranking U.S. military officers in their Baghdad Camp Victory headquarters as the insurgency raged outside. Bell Pottinger's former client chairman, Lord Tim Bell, confirmed Sunday to the Times, to the Sunday Times, which has worked with the Bureau on the story that his firm had worked on a covert military operation covered by various various secrecy documents. Bell Pottinger reported to the Pentagon, the CIA, and the National Security Council on its work in Iraq, he said. Bell, one of Britain's most successful public relations executives, is credited with honing Margaret Thatcher's steely image and helping the Conservative Party win three elections. The agency he co-founded has had a roster of clients, including repressive regimes and Asma al-Assad the wife wife of the Syrian president. In the first media interview, any Bell Pottinger employee has given about the work for the U.S. military in Iraq. Video editor Martin Wells told the Bureau his time in Camp Victory was shocking, eye-opening, life-changing. The firm's output was signed off by former General David Petraeus, then commander of the coalition forces in Iraq, and on occasion by the White House, he said, Bell Pottinger produced reams of material for the Pentagon, some of it going far beyond standard communications work. The Bureau traced the firm's Iraq work through the U.S. Army contracting consensus reports by the Defense Department's Inspector General and Federal Procurement transportation records, uh, Transaction Records, as well as Bell Pottinger's corporate filings and its specialist publications on military propaganda. We interviewed half a dozen former officials and contractors involved in information operations in Iraq. There were three types of media operations commonly used in Iraq at the time, said a military contractor familiar with Bill Pottinger's work there. White is attributed. It says to who produced it on the label. The contractor said gray is unattributed and black is falsely attributed. These type of black ops used for tracking who's watching a certain thing were a pretty standard part of the industry's toolkit. Bell Pottinger's work in Iraq was a huge media operation which cost over $100 million a year on average. A document unearthed by the Bureau shows the company was employing almost 300 British and Iraqi staff at one point. The London PR-based agency was bought into Iraq soon after the U.S. invasion. In March 2004, it was tasked by the country's temporary administration with the promotion of democratic elections and a high-profile activity, which it trumpeted in its annual report. The firm soon switched to less high-profile activities, however. The Bureau has identified transactions worth $540 million between the Pentagon and Bell Pottinger for information operations and psychological operations on a series of contracts issued from May 2007 to December 2011. A similar contract around the same annual rate, $120 million, was enforced for 2006, we've been told. The bulk of the money was for costs, such as production and distribution, Lord Bell told Sunday Times, but the firm would have made about 15 million a year in fees. That's 15 million pounds a year in fees. Martin Wells, the ex-employee, told the Bureau he had no idea what he was getting into when he was interviewed for the Bell Pottinger job in May 2006. I'm going to take a sip. Sorry, guys. Mm. He had been working as a freelance video editor and got a call from his agency suggesting he go to London for an interview for a potential new gig. You'll be doing new stuff that'll be coming out of the Middle East, he was told. I thought, that sounds interesting, Wells recalled. So I go along and go into this building, get escorted up to the 6th a lift, come out, and there's guards up there. I thought, what on earth was going on here? And it turns out it was a Navy post, basically. So from what I could work out, it was a media intelligence gathering unit. After a brief chat, Wells asked when he would find out about the jobs and was surprised by the response. You already got it, he was told. We've already done our background checks into you. He would be flying out Monday, Wells was told. It was Friday afternoon. He asked where he would go, be going, and he got a surprising answer. Baghdad. So I literally had 48 hours together, everything I needed to live in a desert, Wells said. Days later, Wells' plane executed a corkscrew landing, to avoid insurgent fire at Baghdad airport. He assumed he would be taken to somewhere in the green zone from which coalition officials were administering Iraq. Instead, he found himself in Camp Victory, a military base. It turned out that the British PR firm which had hired him was working at the heart of a U.S. military intelligence operation. A tide of violence was engulfing the Iraqi capital as Wells began his contract. The same month he arrived, there were five suicide bomb attacks in the city, including one suicide bomb, car bomb attack near camp victory which killed 14 people and wounded six others describing his first impressions Wells said he was struck by working in an environment very unlike what he was used to it was a very secure building he recalled with signs outside saying do not come in it's classified area if you're not cleared you can't come in inside were two or three rooms with lots of desks in said wells with one section for Bell pottinger staff and the other for u.s military Made the mistake of walking into one of the U.S. military areas and having a very stern American military guy basically dragged me out, saying, you're not allowed in here under any circumstances, this is highly classified get-out, whilst his hand was on his gun, which was a nice introduction, said Wells. It soon became apparent that he would be doing much more than just editing news footage. The work consisted of three types of products. The first was television commercials portraying Al-Qaeda in a negative light. The second was news items, which were made to look as if they had been created by Arabic TV, Wells said. Bell Pottinger would send teams out to film low-definition video of al-Qaeda bombings and then edit it like a piece of news footage. It would be voiced in Arabic and distributed to TV stations across the region, according to Wells. The American origins of the news items were sometimes kept hidden. Revelations in 2005 that PR contractor the Lincoln Group helped the Pentagon place articles in Iraqi newspapers, sometime presented as unbiased news, led to a Department of Defense investigation. The third and most sensitive program described by Wells was the production of fake Al Qaeda propaganda films. He told the Bureau how videos were made. He was given precise instructions. We need to make this style of video, and we've got to use Al Qaeda footage, he was told. We need it to be 10 minutes long, and it needs to be in this file format and we need to encode it in this manner. US Marines would take the CDs on patrol and drop them in the chaos when they raided targets. Wells said, if they're raiding a house, they're going to make a mess of it looking for stuff anyway, they'd just drop an odd CD there. The CDs were set up to use the Real Player, a popular media streaming application which connects to the internet to run. Wells explained how the team embedded a code into the CDs which linked to a Google Analytics account, giving a list of IP addresses where the CDs had been played. The tracking count had a very restricted circulation list according to wells the data went to him a senior member of bell pottinger management team and one of the u.s military con commanders wells explained their intelligence value if one looked at it in the middle of baghdad you'd know there's a hit there if one 48 hours or a week later shows up in another part of the world that's a more interesting one and that's what they're looking for because that gives you a trail The CDs turned up in some interesting places, Wells recalled, including Iran, Syria, and even America. I would do a printout for the day, and if anything interesting popped up, hand it over to bosses, and then it would be dealt with from there, he said. The Pentagon confirmed that Bell Pottinger did work for them as a contractor in Iraq under Information Operations Task Force, producing some material that was openly sourced to coalition forces, and some which was not. They insisted that all material put out by the IOTF was, quote-unquote, truthful. IOTF was not the only mission Bell Pottinger worked on, however, Wells said. Some Bell Pottinger work was carried out under the Joint Psychological Task Force, which is a U.S. defense official confirmed. official said he could not comment on detail on the JPOTF activities, adding, we do not discuss intelligence-gathering methods for operations past and present. Lord Bell, who stood down as chairman of Bell Pottinger earlier this year, told the Sunday Times that the deployment of tracking devices described by Wells was Perfectly possible, but he was personally unaware of it. Bill Pottinger's output was signed off by the Commander Coalition forces in Iraq, Wells recalled. We'd get the two colonels in to look at things we'd done that day. They'd be fine with it. And then it would go to General Petraeus. Some of the projects went higher up in the chain of command If Petraeus couldn't sign off on it. He would go up the line to the White House and it was signed off up there. And the answer would come back down the line. Petraeus went on to become director of the CIA in 2011 before resigning in the wake of an affair with a journalist. The awarding of such a large contract to a British company created resentment among the American communications firms jostling for Iraq work, according to a former employee of Bell Pottinger's rivals. Nobody could work out how a British company could get hundreds of millions of dollars of U.S. funding when there were equally capable U.S. companies who could have done it, said Andrew Garfield, an ex-employee of the Lincoln Group, who is now a senior fellow at Foreign Policy Research Institute. The American companies were pissed. In Turncliffe, a former British soldier, was the head of a three-person panel from the Coalition Provisional Authority, the transitional government in Iraq, following the 2003 invasion, which watered Bell Pottinger their 2004 contract to promote democratic elections. According to Turncliffe, the contract, which totaled $5.8 million, was watered after the CPA realized its own in-house efforts to make people aware of the transitional legal framework ahead of elections were not working. We held a relatively hasty but still competitive bid for communications companies to come in, recalls Turncliffe. Turncliffe said Bell Pottinger's consortium was one of three bidders for the contract and simply put in a more convincing proposal than their rivals. Iraq was a lucrative opportunity for many communications firms. Bureaus discovered that between 2006 and 2008, more than 40 companies were being paid for services such as TV and radio placement, video production, billboards, advertising, and opinion polls, These included U.S. companies like Lincoln Group, Leon Industries, and SOS International, as well as Iraq-based firms such as Cradle of New Civilization Media, Babylon Media, and Iraqi Dream. But the largest sums the Bureau was able to trace went to Bell Pottinger. According to Glenn Siegel, who worked in an information Operations Task Force in Iraq in 2006, contractors were used partially because the military didn't have the in-house expertise and partially because they were operating in a legal gray area. In his 2011 article, Covert Intelligence Provision in Iraq, Siegel notes that the U.S. law prevented the government from using propaganda on the domestic population of the U.S. In a globalized media environment, the Iraqi operations could theoretically have been seen back home. Therefore, it was prudent legally for the military not to undertake all the activities, Siegel wrote. Siegel maintains that the information operation programs did make a difference on the ground in Iraq. Some experts question this, however. Taking a sip, sorry. A 2015 study by the RAND Corporation, a military think tank, concluded that generating assessments of efforts to inform, influence, and persuade has proven to be challenging across the government and DOD. Bill Pottinger's operations on behalf of the U.S. government stopped in 2011, just as American troops withdrew from Iraq. Bill Pottinger changed ownership after a management buyout in 2012, and its current structure has no connection with the unit Wells worked for which closed in 2011. It is understood the key principals who were involved in this unit denying the involvement with trafficking software as described by Wells. Wells left Iraq after less than two years, having had enough of the stress, working in a war zone, and having to watch graphic videos of atrocities day after day. Looking back at his time creating propaganda for the U.S. military, Wells is ambivalent. The aim of Bell's pottinger's work in Iraq was to highlight al-Qaeda's senseless violence, he said, publicly, which at the time he thought he must be doing some good. But then, somewhere in my conscience, I wondered whether this was the right thing to do, he added. Lord Bell told the Sunday Times he was proud of Bell Pottinger's work in Iraq. We did a lot to help resolve the situation. Not enough, we did not stop the mess which emerged, but it was part of the American propaganda machinery. Whether the material achieved its goals, no one would ever really know, said Wells. I mean, if you look at the situation now, it wouldn't appear to have worked, but at the time, who knows if it saved one life, it was a good thing to do. Can you hear me very? Am I still yes, here? Yes, you're <laughs> okay. still here.
0: Yes, um, Yeah, it's no surprise. Uh, and yeah, I'm, I'm not surprised the American companies, communication companies were pissed off. Uh, but then <laughs> they deliberately gave it to a foreign contractor. Because that lets them avoid certain inconvenient questions later on, doesn't it? Yep. <laughs> it
1: definitely does. I mean, that's the way they do things plausible deniability is how the military does everything,
0: and this sort of behavior isn't new i mean mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> the the run up to d day in world war Two,
3: mm-hmm.
0: um the british we we generated such huge quantities of fake information fake stories um went mm-hmm. to extreme lengths. To fabricate information. I mean, uh, y- you'll know about the the dead body thing. Yeah. Uh-huh. Washed up in Spain. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, planted there by our government. Sent a submarine <laughs> with a dead guy dressed up <laughs> in a military uniform <laughs> with a briefcase with loads of important papers in it and just dumped it off the coast of Spain. <laughs> Little things like that. So, yeah, it's not new. It's been going a long... Yeah, Parky said, the man who never was. Yeah. yeah. I mean... I mean, it's not new.
1: <laughs> it's not, but I mean, I can remember... Like, I can remember these videos coming out and people going, they're making propaganda in Iraq. Yeah. Years and years and years ago, and everybody going, no, 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 you're just crazy. Those people who found those videos, we're not crazy. There was just like in any war zone, there's propaganda actively being created in every war zone we're involved in. Yes. So to look at people who find footage online or whatever and say, look, I mean, look, you can see like there's, there's a whiteboard, there's some, they're taking direction. This is not natural behavior. To say those people are crazy is wrong. Um it's happening. We just don't normally get to see the behind the scenes stuff. Yeah. And I think the world is the way it is today, and as such, knowing that Voice of America can broadcast to Americans now, knowing that they've gotten rid of the propaganda rules um in place to protect the American public from having propaganda launched at it and it's probably much the same everywhere else, that I think you have to question everything you see and question everything you read. Um, But don't necessarily think the people who are saying it or showing it to you are crazy. Definitely question it. But always keep in the back of your mind that, you know, they can broadcast propaganda to me now, and they can do it legally. My congressmen were fine with that. You know, just always remember that when you see this stuff. Um, I guess that's an important thing. I, I, you know, nobody should be shocked hearing that. At all. I don't think. Okay. Do you want to pick one or should I just keep going?
0: (laughs) Oh, go for the lighter tone. Go with Samsung.
1: Okay.
0: Just lighten up a little bit.
1: Lighten up the load. Okay. Feds, beware of Samsung's exploding washing machines. Samsung may have another explosion problem on its hands. I know, it's hard to believe. I know, I know. Um, Today, the Consumer Product Safety Commission announced that it was looking into some of Samsung's top-loading washing machines because of quote-unquote safety issues. CPSC is advising consumers to use only the delicate cycle when washing bedding, water resistant and bulky items the statement said the lower spin speed in the delicate cycle lessens the impact risk of impact injuries or property damage due to the washing machine becoming dislodged cpsc didn't specify what model it was looking into but noted that it included washing machines made between march 2011 and april 2016 the warning comes a few months after a class action lawsuit was filed by customers who reported their machines were exploding Yes, exploding. Law 360 reported on the lawsuit in March. Indiana resident Susan Moore and Texas resident Michelle Soto Fedler say Samsung Electronics America Inc. exposed them to unreasonable harm and unjustly received their money by selling them a brand new washing machine that exploded violently in their homes just a few years later, causing significant damage. Reports emerged of exploding Samsung washing machines about a year ago. Samsung, for its part, said it was in active discussions with CPSC over the issue and released a very similar sounding statement to the agency today. In rare cases, effective units may experience abnormal vibrations that could pose risk of personal injury or property damage when washing bedding, bulky or water resistant items, the company said in a statement. Samsung is recommending that consumers with affected models use the lowest speed delicate cycle when washing bedding, bulky or water resistant materials, There have been no reported incidents when using this cycle. The washing machine comes on the heels of reports of additional woes for Samsung and its exploding Galaxy 7 Note phone. Samsung just can't catch a break. How about stop building defective shit?
0: Well, yeah, Samsung are getting a lot of heat at the minute. But it must be said, Mm -hmm. uh, lots of companies' washing machines do this. It's not just Samsung's. Just right. Samsung are getting all the flack because they've had a few models uh, of you know they've had the phones now it's the washing machines
3: <laughs>
0: some of their televisions yeah, I, have had problems uh yeah so they, I, they're uh, just they're just the one on the hot seat at the minute but well,
1: I understand they're the ones on the hot seat but um that makes me but like, all the less manufacturers liking. have had exploding washing
0: <laughs> machines over the years uh,
1: I mean <laughs> yeah. But um, Hot
0: Point, I don't know if you, you should have them over there, your way.
1: Yes.
0: Yes, Hot Point have had quite a few models that have had <laughs> explosive issues uh, over the years. Sarah, <laughs> so uh, there's a consumer program in the UK called Watchdog. Okay. It's on every now every so often. I need to bring up this, th- this kind, kind of story. Of it's the only thing they cover, really.
3: Right.
0: Uh, and Yeah, so, yeah, exploding washing machines has been going on a very long time. This is just oh, yeah. the latest. It's <laughs> just unfortunate that it's happened to Samsung. <laughs> well,
1: well, it's, like, it's like
0: all the car recalls recently have all been Toyota. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's just their time. Now, don't get me wrong. It doesn't matter really what brand you buy. They're all made by a couple of...
0: They're probably made big, in South Korea four. by somebody. You yeah. know,
1: exactly. They're made in the same three or four factories with a different like label slapped on them. I got to tell you... Um, I was looking at a, a Galaxy Note 7. Yeah, that ain't fucking happening. Um, ever, uh, no, you know. It, it well, makes you don't, have, you don't have
0: a kidney to sell to fund it, is what you're saying. Oh,
1: so. I know. Yeah. But, I'm, yeah, but I'm also wary of the um, the potential for explosion, <laughs> basically. <laughs> Which is funny, because I vape, and you know, if I read one more vaping explosion story I'm going to lose it because that's the batteries and I'm pretty sure that's the problem at least with the Samsung phones right uh, no it's but about
0: I... battery manufacturer in those phones so one of the factories had a, a fault in the production line
1: well, why fix it you can just cast well they did
0: fix it them. they recalled them well, right, although most there's, there's 40% of people haven't taken their phone back you're like, really? You want <laughs> you your house to go on that? fire? It's like...
1: How do you safely charge that? That's my yeah. question. But, I mean, the, even the new Note 7s are doing it. And then they say iPhones are hissing now? We yeah. have too many apps open? That's yeah. reassuring. That that I definitely want to have that close to my face. And I, my
0: I, I have one of the cheaper makes of phone. Uh, it's a Lenovo, so Chinese.
3: Mm-hmm. No
0: issues at all. It does get really warm when it's charging, but that's because it's one it's a one amp charge circuit. So yeah. yeah. So it's the, yeah. the actual charge circuit gets warm. Which mm-hmm. cause phones are so enclosed. Yeah, the whole phone the whole back of the phone gets warm. But it's not majorly bad. Um, <laughs> it's
1: not majorly bad, it's not really good. It's also quite a
0: high spec battery, I know I've looked. Um <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> That's the thing, see some of these Chinese cheap make phones. I Mm -hmm. mean, God, the sizes of the batteries they're putting in them now. Mine's quite small these days. So it's it's only got a 2,900 milliamp hour battery. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. (laughs) some of the top of the range Chinese made phones now have 5,000 milliamp hour batteries. Wow. It's to power those nice big screens everybody likes these days. Yeah. 'Cause in 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 the Asian market, my phone is normal sized with the five point five inch <laughs> screen. Right. You know, they they do six six and a half inch phones mm-hmm. now. So yeah. Well. Wow. Bigger screen need bigger battery. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that's one of the problems that Samsung and Apple are hitting. Is yeah. they want this tiny, thin, skinny phone and Mm-hmm. It needs to have this UHD screens on phones now. It's not. Mm-hmm. It's no longer just HD. Uh, okay. So yeah, the power requirements are enormous. So it's not surprising that it's causing a few issues.
1: Um, yeah. Yeah. Yep.
0: It. Um, well, we're vapors. A- we know. You know, high drain. <laughs> high drain causes issues. Yeah.
1: Hydrain definitely causes issues and you have to be intelligent about it. So, yeah. I, I, you know, I don't really have much else to say except it's making me rethink rethink Samsung. (laughs) Just in general.
0: Well, I mean, it's it's the first big hitches Samsung have had for quite a long time. So... I mean, in some ways, they're bound to have a problem at some point because all big companies do.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: It's as I say, it's just, it's just shitty luck in a way that they've had two major mm-hmm. problems, <laughs> in so yeah. close together. Um, yeah. Because yeah, um, I mean, let's face it, uh, apples are not exactly known for their stability either. I mean, no. I mean, I mean I've, uh, bendy iPhones. Yeah. <laughs> Wonder how that court case is going to pan out. And yeah, know. some some of them were uh, going on fire quite a, a couple of years back. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. I I do think that honestly.
0: Oh, and it should be noted. You See, when the the iPhones were having issues, yeah, did Apple recall them? Nope. It was. <laughs> I think it got to the Samsung recorded recalled all the Note sevens. After 34, had had issues.
1: Right, but what that's I'm saying. That's a really low number. Yeah. Even the newer Note 7s. Yes. Some of them are, you know. So it's not. I don't think it's just limited to that one run from that one factory. You know what I mean? There's something else. Oh, well, that's th- part of it. It's that quite that possibly
0: a design issues. flaw in the battery. Uh, mm-hmm. But. Apparently they did they, all all the ones that have had faults were all traced back to the batteries that came from one factory. So, oh.
1: so yeah, I, I don't know. Um, and another news, skank Kim Kardashian was held at gunpoint in Paris. Um, yay, yay for the gun control lobby working so well. Um, yeah, I don't know.
0: Yeah, we we're talking about that earlier. And I was yeah. commenting that yes, lots of French policemen are more heavily armed than yours.
1: Oh, yeah, now they are. Now they fucking are armed. No guys. French
0: police have <laughs> been wandering about for years with submachine guns.
1: Well, I'm just saying now that they've had, you know, so many attacks. They've had their...
0: sidearms since the Second World War. But yeah, towards, I think it was in the, the late 80s, early 90s. Mm-hmm. Uh, you saw more and more French policemen wandering about with submachine guns, because they have a history. Like we're talking last week, in New York with its history of terrorism, France right. has had it too, because they had foreign territories that were rebelling and
3: mm-hmm.
0: terrorist acts. So yeah, their police have been heavily armed for quite some time. Right,
1: exactly. But you know, yeah, but you don't. They're not. I don't want to say they're not militarized, because I don't know if they are or they aren't. I I don't
0: know. They're, uh, say, mid.
1: (laughs) Yeah, they're not quite... They're militarized,
0: but not completely. Yeah.
1: They're not quite where we are. Um, Also, I'm going to stick this in the chat, because if you know someone who used one of the EpiPens before the price went up 20 jillion percent, um, this is something... That really could possibly help them. And you should know about it because here is DIY instructions for making your own EpiPen. Yeah. Um, It comes from a group of doctors and scientists called Four Thieves Vinegar. Um, These guys want to make medicine affordable. For free. I don't know if they can make it free, but they want to make prescription medication affordable and usable for everyone. So they're basically taking the raw materials and hacking it down for you. So they're doing some interesting stuff, and I thought I would pop that in here.
0: Yeah, it's a Um, good little video. Yeah.
1: It is a good little video, and uh, it's most amusing when he uses it on himself. it it is it is not without pain yeah (laughs) but yeah and there's instructions in there there's a packet you can download um, and it shows you where you can get everything from to make your what they call an epi pencil so for about $30 you've got an easily reusable device just like your epi pen that will be able to be used in emergencies yeah, it's, and it's
0: it's, it's not it's a as, of, yeah it's not, it's as, not small as small and portable, but it does cost pretty. a tenth <laughs> the amount. Yeah. Yeah.
1: it is not as pretty, but it is as functional, yes. and if you have an allergy and you need to get medication like that, this will work, so, oh, but
0: yeah, yeah, the disclaimer I would say was, yeah. Really make sure you get the depth thing right on it.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Go too deep, oh, you're not you. are gonna know pain. <laughs>
3: yeah.
1: You get
0: the depth wrong, and that needle bounces off a bone. Oh yeah.
1: Yeah. No, I mean, but that's that's why they. You know, you're not supposed to freaking inject yourself in certain parts. I mean, like yeah. only really fleshy parts, your upper thigh, your upper
0: thigh, ass. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So really really fleshy parts Um, and also be prepared for the ouch factor but it works and if you need it you can do it yourself you don't have to spend a retarded amount of money Uh, yeah I mean
0: I I know the reasons why they've used the type of needle they have but Mm -hmm. yeah that's one reason why the ouch factor is so big is the type of needle they've
1: uh, gone with (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, probably, but I also think they didn't really have much of a choice. No. Right?
0: Yeah, they've, they've kept it, it as cheap as possible. Yeah.
1: Exactly. Because, yeah, yeah and, there,
0: there are better needles available. That's all I'm right. saying.
1: Of course there are. So I thought I would mention that because it's actually it's pretty good. I mean, I'm impressed that somebody's doing stuff like that. Because yeah. it needs to be done, obviously. You know?
0: And more convenient than having to carry a, well, the, the open syringe around Ringe. and the little yeah. ball of... yeah
1: Whatever. Yeah, and it seems like it's going to be safer. So that can only be good for people. Um, yeah. And the, the video is interesting. It's funny to watch him poking himself. Hurt himself, um. yeah. <laughs> Ow! <laughs> I'm I thought that was hilarious, but it's it's great. It's something well, you know Shouldn
0: shouldn't, shouldn't inject it on the side of his leg. Well, <laughs> true. That's yeah. that's where the heaviest muscle is. Yeah. <laughs> so he basically well. stuck the needle into his muscle.
1: You know, no one said that that scientists and doctors were all the absolute smartest people on earth, but that's still. Partly it's
0: because you'd show it on camera. Yeah. (laughs) But um, I don't remember, but the last time I remember seeing somebody getting shown how to use an EpiPen or an injector, Mm -hmm. it was usually more towards the front of your thigh you were uh, told to aim for. Mm
3: hmm. Because
0: that's also nearer the artery. Mm hmm. But not dangerously near the artery.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So it gets in there, and it's it 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 does what it's supposed to do. So mm-hmm. I was pretty I was pretty happy about that this week. I thought that was actually quite good news. You know what I mean? And I don't think we get um, too much good news lately. Uh, oh, for fuck's sake! <laughs> Trump military suicides happen to troops who can't handle it.
0: That's pretty good for a guy who kept dodging around no, to avoid going to war. No.
1: Yeah. Why would you? What the? F... What the fuck is wrong with him? Um, yeah, I'm not even gonna read that to you. I, I can't, I can't really prove he said it, but there's a video link, so I don't really need to prove it. Um, he said it. What a dumbass. You know, if you really want to be president, you know. Maybe the first thing you should be taught is not to insult your electorate. Oh. Um, yeah, I. I think guess... the first
0: rule should be don't be Donald Trump. Uh,
1: <laughs> you know, I guess. It's like, if
0: you're a megalomaniac asshole, do not run for office.
1: You know, the thing is, I'm not really as offended or by him or scared of him or. I don't know what his records like, right? Yeah. I would never vote for him, but I don't know what his records like, right? I do know what the fuck Hillary Clinton's record is like, and that scares me.
3: Yeah.
1: The, you know, her husband repealed Glass-Steagall, right? Yeah. Which really led to the economic devastation a lot of it that I see on the planet today. You know, repealing Glass-Steagall directly led to things like the derivative market and you know the housing bubble, the tech bubble, things that didn't didn't always happen in a healthy economy. A lot of that can be traced to Bill Clinton signing that shit away. And he's done things saying he's a Democrat that only a Republican would have done. All right. So I, I know what his record is on that. And I'm assuming she thinks the same way. I don't care what she says. Uh, I would oh never no, vote she's way worse. Either. Yes. <laughs> I would never vote for her either. Yeah. I just, I can't. These people are fucking despicable. Well, I
0: mean, I've, I've said to you before, there, that certainly in the UK, we're, we're sitting here, here still hoping that it's some sort of elaborate prank. Basically. But deep down going... Ah shit. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know, I don't know. I I neither I don't think either one is good for it's definitely not gonna be good for morale, yeah. I don't think. We all have to learn how to get along and that's not helping things. I don't really Never mind need
0: John, to... you would always hope that uh, Matthew swings by your way and just wrecks everything and
1: No, because that might be more pleasant. All... Then they'll want to send FEMA in, and I'm all kinds of good, (laughs) thank you. No, thank you. You know what? Thanks, but no thanks. Get the fuck out. Um, We can do it better ourselves. Thanks. I know, I've lived through a hurricane where FEMA was helping. And I've got to tell you, the more I look at FEMA's mandate ever since 9-11... Mark come to the conclusion that their mandate completely changed.
0: After well, yeah, it did. They re- it completely
1: changed. They don't do humanitarian aid anymore. That is not what they're meant to do. They're meant to set no, up... No, no,
0: they changed from disaster relief to disaster management.
1: Yeah. Um, so they're not equipped to do... Any of the things that they might have done before. But they are equipped to do a whole bunch of shit that would curl your hair right now.
0: Yeah, most of what they do is all to do with handling the media and the like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Which is kind of opposite of what they're supposed to be doing. But yeah, mm-hmm. that's the way government works.
1: Yeah, stupidly. And as it gets bigger, worse and worse. Same, same happens uh-
0: over <laughs> here. You have We have a flood and... and Luckily over here, yeah, relief happens pretty quick because we're a small country, but you still have the idiots, bureaucrats in charge of disaster relief and the politicians troop out in front of the cameras, say Mm -hmm. stupid shit, and then wander off again. (laughs) it's it's, it's all about the media these days. It's not about actually helping.
1: I I like how Boris Johnson's hair looks like Nicodelti's hair. Hmm. It does. You know, when Nick Nelty's having his meltdown and needs to go to jail? Or whatever. <laughs> You've seen that picture of him in the Hawaiian shirt? Yeah, the... yeah, yeah. Boris Johnson's hair looks a lot like that. Uh, I was just saying my favorite thing about one of your politicians. <laughs> his hair's better than Trump's. It's probably better than Hillary's. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, I guess I'll do a couple more although I tried to lighten the mood. Europe's top human rights court will consider the legality of surveillance exposed by Edward Snowden. Human rights groups have launched a major major new legal challenge over mass surveillance programs revealed by the national security agency, whistleblower Edward Snowden. 10 organizations, including Privacy International, the American Civil Liberties Union, and Amnesty International are taking up a landmark case against the UK government in the European Court of Human Rights In a 115-page complaint released on Thursday, the groups allege that blanket and indiscriminate surveillance operations carried out by British spy agencies in collaboration with their U.S. counterparts violate privacy and freedom of expression rights. The case represents the first time Europeans' top human rights court has been asked to consider the legality of surveillance exposed by the Snowden documents. Its judgments are legally binding and could potentially have ramifications for how surveillance is conducted by UK agencies. Through bulk surveillance programs, the US and UK governments intercept the private communications and data of millions of people around the world, said Ashley Podarski, staff attorney ACLU National Security Project. Not only is bulk surveillance unlawful, but it has a deeply chilling and corrosive effect on political discourse and our personal communications. We're hopeful that the European Court of Human Rights will recognize that this mass surveillance violates fundamental rights to privacy and freedom of speech and that the court's ruling will help put an end to these practices on a global scale. An appendix to the complaint names more than a dozen surveillance programs. It says violate rights and do not have adequate safeguards against abuse. Among them are programs operated by the British Security Agency, GCHQ, such as Karma Police which were exposed by The Intercept last year. Karma Place was designed to allow the UK agency to build a web browsing profile for every visible user on the internet. The appendix also f- focuses on NSA operational programs that have been shared with British spies, such as x Key Score, a tool that can be used to sift through masses of emails, online chats, and virtually every other kind of internet data. The complaint argues that the scale of surveillance is unprecedented in terms of A, the number of individuals whose communications are potentially affected, and B, the quantity of communications content-related communications data that is actually initially intercepted, extracted, filtered, stored, analyzed, and or disseminated by UK intelligence agencies. It adds that the operation of sophisticated, uh, covert surveillance powers without adequate safeguards is ipso facto disproportionate. UK government's home office has not responded to a request for comment at the time of publication.
0: Oh no, and just by complete coincidence, uh, our (laughs) Tory government want to pull out of the European Human Rights Act. Hmm, I wonder if there's a connection anywhere. Oh, well, yeah,
1: Theresa May.
0: Oh, and you notice, uh, yeah, yeah, the Karma Police thing, yeah, mm-hmm. and 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 what? Um, when that was when the story about it was broken, uh, mm-hmm. what did Theresa May start talking about? Oh, yeah, the Snoopers Charter.
1: <laughs> oh, we'll
0: have to legalize. Uh, yeah, keeping exactly. everybody's web browsing profile.
1: Yeah, you know. I so as soon as they
0: that. got caught doing it, okay, okay, we'll just change the law. We're so just gonna make it legal now.
1: Yeah, we've been doing this for a while, but now we're just gonna change the.
0: Yeah, at law. the end of the day, it's a good thing this court case is gonna go ahead, but I don't think it's gonna get very get anywhere. It's
1: Even not, if it gets a but, ruling,
0: it's not gonna get anywhere.
1: No, it's not. It'll just but, get ignored, I mean, you know? right, but that's not why you go f- no. ahead with a court case. Nine times out of ten, when you're involved in something like that, right, you go ahead with those court cases so that you get publicity you want people talking about it you know legally it's not that you have no leg to stand on but it's that the government generally doesn't shit on itself right they will sometimes but not over something like this but you want people talking about it and telling others and making it a hot topic and the best way to do that is to publicize it And the court case is pretty good fucking publicity. I hate to say that it sounds all cynical and shit, but it's true.
0: It it probably has no actual connection. This is a kind of related story. Right. But you remember the the, the UK was being investigated for human rights abuses uh, against our disabled people. Yes. And it was found, yes, they've been abusing disabled people. Uh Uh-huh. Um... The new guy in charge of working pensions uh, right. has just announced they're going to stop continuously asses- medically assessing people mm-hmm. with degenerative and permanent illnesses. So they won't have to go in every six months to get, you know, well once a year, every six months to be reassessed right. to see if they've they've miraculously got better.
1: Well, you know, I mean, here's the, here's <laughs> finally, after
0: of years it, of being told. This is stupid. Yes.
1: <laughs> They're finally me, going,
0: yeah, we won't reassess okay. the people with terminal cancer. Yeah, But here's the, the thing.
1: I, you're, you're, it's not like you have a great job market there either. No. <laughs> right? Your job market is shit. My job market here is shit. This is a problem. Automation is making things so that less people need to do jobs, right? Well, that's,
0: that's the weird thing. The UK has actually got pretty low unemployment. Really? Not not that if you believe the government, who right, all these people you know sponging off the state, we've actually got a tiny number of unemployed people compared to a lot of countries.
3: Yeah,
1: but I'm just saying I don't think it's going to get any better. I'm just saying that. So um, I think things are going to need to change at some point. Um, You know. I don't know how, but it's it's going to probably change somehow. Um, and it's like, okay, this one's kind of important, so I'm gonna do this one, and I think this is the last one. Time to kill security questions or answer them with lies. Okay, this is this is about the Yahoo hack. <laughs> you had a Yahoo email account? God, God help you. The notion of using robust random passwords has become all but mainstream. And by now, anyone with an inkling of security sense knows that password1 and 1234567 aren't doing them any favors. But even as password security improves, there's something even more problematic that underlies them, security questions. Last week, Yahoo revealed it had been massively hacked with at least 500 million of its users' data compromised by state-sponsored intruders and included in that company's list of breached data weren't just the usual hashed passwords and email addresses, but the security questions and answers that victims had chosen as a backup means of resetting their passwords. Supposedly secret information, like your favorite place to vacation or the street you grew up on. Yahoo's data debacle highlights how those innocuous seeming questions remain a weak link in our online authentication systems. Ask the security community about security questions and they'll tell you that they should be abolished and that until they are, you should never answer them honestly. From their dangerous guessability to the difficulty of changing them after a major breach like like Yahoo's security questions have proven to be deeply inadequate as contingency mechanisms for passwords. They're meant to be a reliable last ditch recovery feature. Even if you forget a complicated password, the thinking goes, you won't forget your mother's maiden name or the city you were born in. But by relying on factual data that was never meant to be kept secret in the first place, web and social media searches can often reveal where someone grew up or what make of their first car was. The approach puts accounts at risk. And since your pet's name never changes, your answers to security questions can be instantly compromised across many digital services if they are revealed through digital snooping or data breach. Please reset your mother's maiden name. All of that has led security experts to advocate their demise. I'd like to see this practice go away, said Jim Fenton, an identity privacy and security consultant who runs the blog in security questions. If passwords are vulnerable, why are security questions somehow so special that they live on forever? Fenton points out that every new data breach reveals more personal information that can make guessing the answers to security questions easier or simply allow hackers to reuse leaked security answer questions to access another service. Attackers are getting broader and broader information all the time about users by aggregating all these different leaks, he said. Sorry, but if you have a Yahoo account, you will need to find a new mother and have grown up on a different street, University of Pennsylvania computer scientist Matt Blaze quipped on Twitter after Yahoo's data breach. Security question and answer reuse between sites, he added, means that the data breaches on the scale of yahoos are the security equivalent of ecological disasters. Even the federal government is ready to kibosh security questions. In July, the National Institute of Standards and Technology released a draft of its new proposed digital authentic authentic, 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 authentic. yeah. What the fuck? <laughs> it's proposed digital authentic, authentic yeah. The DAG
0: authentication is the word thank you're looking you for
1: guideline yeah. yeah i'm reading it and it's like my brain's fucking it up sorry um and whereas the previous revision listed pre-registered knowledge tokens or security questions as a recommended authentication technique the new draft eliminates any mention of such measures nist in other words no longer endorses security questions as a measure for protecting federal accounts Even Yahoo itself, which is offering tools for securing user accounts in light of the breach, now specifically notes, to secure your account, we recommend you disable your security questions. In a 2015 paper, two Google security researchers analyzed the weakness of the approach and concluded, secret questions are neither secured nor reliable enough to be used as a standalone account recovery mechanism. That's because they suffer from a fundamental flaw. Their answers are either somewhat secure or easy to remember, but rarely both. Long before the study even came out, Google was phasing out security questions and requiring users to set up SMS text messages and backup email addresses to initiate recovery of an account. No quick fix. The transition away from security questions, however, won't be easy. Companies need to implement alternative contingency solutions like sending password reset instructions to a backup email address requiring that users produce physical authentication dongle or using real-time generated codes from secure authentication apps. And things get convoluted because even something like sending SMS text to a predetermined number, a popular current alternative to security questions, has security problems of its own. Jeffrey Goldberg, a product security officer at AgileBits, the security company that makes the popular password manager 1Password, says that all of the makes the problem tough to fix in security questions are terrible. He writes in an email, it's easy to talk about the horrible security hole that they create, but it's harder to offer an alternative, but NIST senior standards and technology advisor, Paul Grassi, who works on the standards revisions, believes there are enough alternatives to security questions available. that They can be phased out even for the federal government. We recognize there's not a one-size-fits-all, he said, so hopefully we're moving towards a model where agencies issue many things. You want Google Prompt? Go for it. You want U2F? Go for it. You want something written on a piece of paper that we mail to you? Go for it. Popular web services are trying to move from security questions to superior options, but are different phases of transitions. Most prominently display a forgot your password link on their login page that directs users to a password-changing tool. But to change security questions themselves, you have to hunt through account options. Twitter doesn't appear to use security questions at all for account recovery. Facebook will only offer security questions as a last resort when a user indicates they no longer have access to the backup email addresses or phone numbers they set up previously. But fa- Facebook doesn't allow users to ever update or improve their questions. Same goes for Amazon Payments. Many banks like Bank of America, TD Bank, and Fidelity still rely heavily on security questions as an account recovery technique. I'm not even reading that, that title. Since security questions aren't going away anytime soon, there are steps you can take to strengthen yours in the meantime, at least for some services. The best way to make security answers more robust is to line your answers and ideally use a random string of characters as the answer instead of submitting any meaningful information. That way, even if a question addresses an obscure life detail you're confident a hacker couldn't find out about you, you're still not revealing answers that could be compromised in a breach. Of course, this approach makes security answers virtually impossible to remember in contrast to truthful facts, which we effortlessly retain. That's why you should rely on using a password manager not only to store randomly generated passwords, but to store your security answers as well. If you've taken the time to add as many accounts as possible to a password manager and randomize all the passwords, you know that this is a doable but long-term project. Even at maximum efficiency, it takes a minute or two to reset a password. Add a new one and ensure the random string of characters is correctly saved in your password manager. The average U.S. user has more than 100 digital accounts linked to their primary email addresses, so to randomize every security question where the mechanisms aren't always easily available remains a slog. In security questions, Fenton suggests focusing on changing the security answers on accounts that contain your most sensitive data like email, financial, and medical accounts. And even if you're someone who doesn't have a password manager up and running, You can still start using one to keep track of your security answers. You should have unique passwords for each site and service, and you should have unique answers to security questions, and a password manager is the way to do that, says Angel Bits Goldberg. That's not an all-or-nothing statement. You can't just start deciding to put some security answers into a password manager. You don't have to do the impossible. Security questions can be reasonably protective if you've used them to essentially a strong second password but online services have trained users to enter deeply insecure security answers for years and changing that won't be easy. It's well past time though to move away from a system that at best only as robust as passwords and at worst turns your dad's your your dead hamster's name into a dangerous security
3: flaw.
0: Yeah, yeah, I've been uh, making up shit for years. <laughs>
1: well, I know you have. Yeah. None of none of your information is correct.
0: So. Oh, well, some of it is sometimes when it has to be, but not not when it's being used for random log ons.
3: Yeah.
0: For instance, I ha I have a Yahoo. Email, funnily enough, because. Uh, huh. Flickr, one of the photo sites, is
3: Yahoo.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, yeah, yeah. It took me seconds. As soon as the security report came in. Password, ch- yeah. password changed. All, all, all good again. Cause yeah, I use a password manager. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it'll yeah, even they, yeah. generate the new passwords for you and yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: change them for you. And it's so, a pa-
1: yeah. it's a pain in the ass to set it up, but once it's set up, it works really
0: well. Yeah. And That's yeah, my really password pretty- manager runs across all platforms too. So yeah. 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 I don't need to remember. I don't need to have passwords saved on my phone. Yeah. Here's a good one for the police. Yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah.
0: Tell us your passwords. Can't. Don't know them.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Piece so. of software does it for me. Do you have yeah. the password for that? Nope. No. <laughs> That's on my computer. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> Terribly sorry about that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, um, and earlier in the chat, somebody mentioned that, um, i had linked on my facebook page to this last night um this is a podcast called the dangerous history podcast and if you have no interest in history or podcasts this won't mean anything to you but this was about um major general smithley butler who um is a really interesting man so uh, i'd like to actually thank the dangerous history podcast for that because it was really in-depth and it was really cool and I really enjoyed it and I felt like I knew uh, I knew Smithley Butler by the time we were done in fact we were talking about him a couple of weeks ago weren't we
0: yeah, I think so yeah
1: yeah yeah he's an interesting man um so and I like history I well, guess yeah, you I can that. UK <laughs> history
0: is replete with interesting generals.
1: <laughs> yeah. We don't, we don't have always the most interesting generals, but this guy, um, yeah, he, uh, he had a major rethink of his time in the military after his time in the military. Yeah. And he, he wrote a really interesting book. Um, and here's a link to the book called The Wars of Racket. So, I guess that's about it for this evening. Oh, j- um, just
0: to mention, you know, the whole... Okay. Well, it links into um,
1: mm-hmm.
0: your general, and it links yeah. into the um, propaganda stuff in Iraq. <laughs> <laughs> a, yeah. a film I watch about that is called War Inc. don't know if right. you've seen it. John Cusack.
3: Um.
0: Kind of the follow-up to Gross Point Blank. Oh, okay. But it's not. It's different characters. But yeah, it's not the greatest film in the world, but it has its moments. But it is a bit. uh, (laughs) To quote from the film, it's the first war run by a corporation.
1: (laughs) I I don't. (laughs) And you're absolutely right. And it's not that wars are run by corporations, but it's that wars, any war you get involved with pretty much has a corporation at the heart of it somewhere.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, this film parodies it completely. You know, it's, in, it's a fictitious Middle Eastern country. But basically, the war was basically... All, all the war, war materials were, you know, supplied by this one corporation. All the security mm-hmm. personnel after, all the people rebuilding the country after. It's all this corporation. <laughs>
1: right. <Brian. laughs> yeah. And, yeah. And, I mean, I know in Iraq, there was a ton of money to be made... Oh yeah. After the war, and there, there always is every time, every single time.
0: Well, I mean, most of Iraq, uh, huge sections of it didn't have reliable water supplies, but they could get a mobile phone. Uh, I mean, it was insane. Yeah, that
1: is crazy. It's like the,
0: the first thing to go up was mobile phone towers. It's like,
1: what? <laughs> exactly. Surely, Screw- water
0: must have been. You know, no, 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 no mobile phones.
1: Screw you and your addiction to water. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, literally, but,
0: that was the first service restored uh-huh. in Iraq was mobile phone coverage.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I believe it. I absolutely believe it. So, I guess Muppets and Edward.
0: Okie dokie.
1: Thank you. Why do we always
0: come here? I guess we'll never know It's like a kind of torture
1: To have to watch the show Why spend hours searching for in-stock ammunition when you can use AmmoSeek.com? AmmoSeek.com is a search engine for finding ammunition, reloading components, magazines, and guns for more than 300 calibers at more than 60 online retailers. AmmoSeek.com only shows items that are in-stock and readily available for shipping. You can search by caliber, grains, manufacturer, and more. The results are displayed by cost per round, so you are able to get the very best pricing on your ammunition of choice. Find ammunition at the best prices fast, moccom Thanks for listening, guys, and we'll see you next week. Um, hopefully I don't get, you know, thrown out to sea. Um, and barring that, I will see you next week. Good night.